a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. But we can't actually use the John Williams. Oh, we could. But okay. um, we can't because it wasn't used in this movie. Should we just use it anyway? Yeah. I mean, it's Star Wars. Yeah, you make a good point. Let's play the clip. What's going on, guys? My name is Elden Nero, and welcome to another bonus episode of The Midnight Hour. A standalone episode, if you will, not a numerical serial episode of the greater Midnight Hour universe. I'm joined today by Santiago from the Weird With You podcast and Luce Moore from the Midnight Hour podcast. If you have not yet checked out Weird With You, I will link their podcast in the description. And you can head on over and give them a follow because they're awesome. And if you like this, you'll definitely like theirs. So today's episode is a bonus episode, as I mentioned. And I'm actually going to make this a semi-regular thing to run alongside the main podcast. So if this is what you enjoy, you can expect more of this infrequently. Um, The main podcast will obviously go up every Friday as planned. So um, the aim is to have like... 70 podcasts or so this year so we'll see how well that works um here's the plan that i have at the moment i'm gonna make a thread on the subreddit for the midnight hour which is reddit.com slash or slash midnight hour and i am very active over there and the thread is gonna be a q a thread because we've only ever done one q a episode of the midnight hour and um i want to make some of the bonus episodes um, episodes where I get new guests on, uh, some of you guys will actually be involved because I recently made a thread that was like, who wants to be on the podcast? And um, a lot of people actually said that they'd be interested in it. So I think the best way to introduce people is to do a Q&A style video. So basically, um, there will be some bonus Q&A podcast episodes featuring some of you guys. And that is what the current plan is. I don't know um, where it will go from there, but I would imagine it will progress nicely because I will sort of um, get a feel for how well people will slot in with the show and things like that. And I think one of the things that helps our consistency is new guests all the time. And the fact that I have currently got a revolving door of podcast guests who suit different topics and things like that. So that allows us to bring that consistency. And I feel like I've said a lot of big words so far. So anyway, if you want to ask a question that you think would be interesting for um, a point of discussion, go over to the subreddit, have a look out for that thread, and leave your question there. It will not be answered in the thread, obviously. It will just serve as a discussion point for a bonus episode of the podcast, which you will be able to listen to right here on SoundCloud. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. We talk about Star Wars. Uh, spoiler alert, we spoil every single thing. This is a spoiler episode. It's full of Star Wars spoilers. So um, it's pretty much only for Star Wars nerds. I think if you've never seen any Star Wars movie, this podcast will probably mean nothing to you. Um, apologies for the length, I guess. I think I'm sorry for that. I don't know if I am. Maybe you guys will actually like that it's really long. I don't know. Um, but anyway, I'm really happy with how it turned out. I think it was a great discussion. It was full of nerdtastic references and lots of things like that. So, um, 
Um, if you want to check out, um, obviously Weird With You, their links will be in the description for their Facebook, Twitter, and SoundCloud. And iTunes as well will also be there. And all of my links will also be in the description and uh, please do go onto iTunes and leave a rating I would really appreciate that if you're listening on SoundCloud please leave a like and or a repost because that would be awesome and if you want to join in the discussion leave a comment on the video because I I say the video leave a comment in the um, comment section on SoundCloud because um, there aren't many of those I guess not a lot of you actually have SoundCloud accounts anyway here we go into the episode I hope you guys enjoy it power in the verse can stop me. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to talk about Star Wars. And by the way, for everyone listening, this episode is going to be intensively spoilerific. So we're going to absolutely ruin the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it, which is why if you haven't seen it, you should stop listening. Or just turn the volume down and keep listening and make sure that all the ads play, because that way we all win. Um, but no, for real, like it, this episode is for people who have seen Star Wars Rogue One. That's not even the name of it. For people who have seen Rogue One, a Star Wars story, and... Probably every other Star Wars movie, because we'll probably ruin those too. Although it would be really weird if you only saw Rogue One and no other Star Wars movie. Um, but my girlfriend has done that, so maybe it's not that weird. Anyway, that was a very tedious intro on my part. Um, before we properly get into the discussion on Rogue One, we're going to establish our credentials as Star Wars fans, just so that all of you nerds know that we're also nerds. Um... So uh, I guess I will start with Lucemore and ask, what is your what's your first memory of Star Wars? Um, the nineteen ninety seven reissue of the like the VHSs. I don't know if that was the same in Ireland or in yeah. Canada, but mm -hmm. they reissued them in nineteen ninety seven on VHS, and I'd never seen them before uh, up until that point. And my granddad bought them uh, one at a time, like he was teasing me, like the uh, like he was like. You can have this one, and then if you like it, I'll get Empire Strikes Back. Like he wasn't like like gonna pay for all of them. Obviously, he was like I'm not gonna go that far because I was a terrible grandchild. Um, but um, yeah, but that was a new hope. Like you know, changed my childhood, I guess. And you know, I watched mm -hmm. that movie like hundreds of times. And then um, yeah, a couple of weeks or maybe a month later, uh, like he came around with like the VHS of Empire Strikes Back, and then the same again for Return of the Jedi. Um, but like the the 1997 reissue, of, like the VHSs, like came with like a bunch of new like action figures and all that stuff. I think maybe like they they were preempting or they knew about like the Phantom Menace coming out or something. I don't know why they did the reissue, but yeah, that was my first memory of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. George Lucas is an amazing toy salesman, so I would say <laughs> probably yeah. did, did that whole thing on purpose. Um, what about you, Santiago? Oh, boy. So, I think the first memory that I have of Star Wars was watching Empire Strikes Back. I must have been four, I think. So, it was the original 
1980 cut VHS of Empire mm. Strikes Back. And I think it wasn't even uh, the actual VHS. I think what my family had done was rented the VHS from the video store and then copied it nice. uh, onto onto our own VHS. So it was... It had it had all the trademark old VHS that's been rewatched many many times, uh, kind of problems uh, with with playback. So the sound would go out and do that kind of like wobbly thing that it does. Um, and I, I remember watching that and had no context for it. It didn't matter. It was amazing. Uh, and then my brother, who was the the real Star Wars fanatic, would show me all of the toys, and suddenly I had a con- kind of context for all what all these toys that were always in our house were. Because my my brother had the original uh, big Millennium Falcon toy from yeah. the from the late seventies. Yeah. Um, with all of the parts, and and it was fantastic. Uh, and then I remember loving Star Wars. We would watch it over and over again. And then when the nineteen ninety seven ones came out or it was did they start in 97 i don't remember i think when they were re-released they were re-released they were re-released in theaters and i went to see each one opening night uh so i would have been in maybe like grade grade three it couldn't have been 97 then because i was in grade three so it must have been 95 96 no because i went to see them all in the cinema when they came out and i can recall it i think I, right, but Phantom Menace came out in '98, and I know I was in grade three, so yeah, I, well, I'll do some math. Ninety-nine. Yeah. Ninety-eight yeah, was it? No, no, it's ninety-nine. I, I'm pretty sure oh. the VHS reissues came out in '97, so maybe they released them uh, theatrically, the first three in '98, maybe, and then that's like when '97. I don't know. Oh, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'm pretty sure hmm. it's ninety-nine. Ninety-nine, yeah. All right. Well, my clock is a little. Anyway, I went to see them in the theater, and it was fantastic, and. Uh, uh, back then, I enjoyed all of the extra footage a lot more than I do now. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've been a Star Wars fan for as long as I actually have memories. That might be one of my <laughs> earlier memories. Yeah, me too. I think. Well, just kidding. Of course, I've never seen Star Wars. Not like you, fucking nerds. <laughs> fucking <but>, uh... nerds. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Geez, I don't even know what mine is. I. I just. It's always been a part of my life and my childhood. Like I remember having the. I remember having all three um, episodes four to six on their. I don't know if it was the original VHS, but I had them before the remasters. And then the remasters came out. They had that sort of gold box. Um, I got all of them. I saw them all in the cinema too. Um, like I used to have like those videos. I used to bring them everywhere I went. Like I remember my childminder. I used to, like all my videos would be there and like I would regularly have to go over to their house and get my Star Wars movies so that I could watch them. I used to watch them like every single Saturday and Sunday morning, all of them, all three of them. Star Wars marathon every weekend and I had all the action figures, all the accessories, all of the random things that George Lucas made me buy, like a pack that was full of lightsaber <laughs> handles and stuff. Mm. I had to have it cuz he is such a yeah. damn good toy salesman. Yeah. Um, Were you one of those kids who had, like, I mean, I had hundreds of stormtroopers just because it made sense. Oh, man, yep. I, I wish. I, I wanted to be one of those kids, but I <laughs> I didn't have enough money. <laughs> like, my family was not super rich growing up, so I didn't. I remember one time wanting a second stormtrooper and my mum being like, you already have a stormtrooper. 
and me being like, please, and her looking at me like, please don't make me do this. We need to eat next week. And me being like, fine. Um, so, yeah. I mean, no. it doesn't make sense there's only one Stormtrooper mum, but fine, we can eat food, I guess. Yeah, and you had to, like, make it so that all of your battles took place in a narrow corridor so you could feasibly <laughs> kill the Stormtrooper and then resurrect him to run around the yeah. corner again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You well, basically just introduced video anyway. game logic and made the bodies disappear after they die. That's pretty <laughs> Sad times. But hey, at least my family didn't commit a crime to make me watch Star Wars like Santiago's family did, because piracy is a federal crime, my friend. And <laughs> in copying that VHS, I, you have we just own, admitted. Well, we actually own every probable edition of Star Wars that was ever released in Canada on VHS and on DVD. Tell it to the judge, pal. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, so yeah, what what's your favorite Star Wars movie out of all eight of them now? Uh, oh wow! Whoever wants to lose more, I guess, because uh, it sounds to me like Santiago has to think about it a little bit. Uh, I th- as a kid, it was Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I to be honest, I still probably enjoy that the most. Maybe I think for nostalgic reasons, I just enjoy watching it. But I, I think it. Empire Strikes Back is definitely a better movie. Like it's darker and there's like better characterization and everything like that. But mm-hmm. but fuck it, I'll, you know the Ewoks were fun as a kid. Like and Luke had was had a green lightsaber in Re- Return oh, of yeah. the Jedi, and that was fucking awesome. And he wore all black, and Jabba was there. You know. Oh 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 oh. And Jabba yep. is also here <laughs> on the podcast today. On my bookie. <laughs> also, um, I'm pretty sure it says wanker. Which I always thought was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> no Jabba, no Wanka. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, I, I also know that the woman with the weird, like, long hair that's actually part of her head and looks slimy, she greets Luke Skywalker at the door to Jabba's palace. I know that she says, Iwana Wanga. And, uh, oh, well, it wasn't the girl that that greets him. Um, no, well, she reacted to his arrival in some way. And said, "I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I've just said the nerdiest thing ever." No, it was his. It was his. It was his butler. But, uh, uh, oh my god, what's his guy. name? Yeah. Well, he's well, he's a Twi'lek. Tan Marfin. <laughs> I made that up, but it sounds so good. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we ran with that, it'd be fine. They might question afterwards, but I'll remember his name eventually. I think it's so interesting that in Star Wars, like unless your name is Luke or Ben, you're not allowed to have an Earth name. You have to have like <laughs> a weird like half like they've reused like there's Jin Urso and there's also Qui Gon Jin. Like they mm. start reuse that's like I mean, just introduce a fourth letter to like some of the names and I'm telling you your your horizons will infinitely broaden. But yeah, that's another discussion. Bib Fortuna. That was his name, Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna, that is it. Yeah. yeah. I always think it's so weird that, no, like, no, I, no, hate, no, Jabba, I, hate, no, I hate movies where I don't remember the names. I'm terrible with names in movies. And it, it was great that, like, Luke had, like, an English name. Like, as, as racist as that sounds, like, it's great that it just had an English name. But, like, the rest of them, I'm just like, I have no idea. Like, in, in well, if we go to for, the Rogue One, like, I couldn't tell you any of their names, to be honest. Oh, but, really? Yeah, I mean, like, maybe three or four of them, but, like, beyond that, I'm like, yeah, 
The, I, I have to be honest, like, that has happened to me too. I can address all of them by their actor names. What, what was the name of the Kowarkian monkey lizard that uh, was always hanging around on Jabba's lap in Return of the Jedi? Oh, sweet Jesus. Uh, was it Boba Fett? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Was it C-3PO? Um, no. No, what is the little... Um, uh, give me the initials. S-C. Oh, Salacious Crumb. Yeah. That's the one. Nailed it. Wow. Uh, being out-nerded. I mean, it, it's in my head somewhere. It just it just takes a while to, like, you know, focus that information, I think. Did you know, in the and it's even in the 97 cut, I don't know if they edited it out, edited it, edited it out um, for the uh, Blu-ray release, but the Twi'lek dancer in Jabba's palace, while they were filming it, um, her breasts actually popped out of her costume, and it's on full display in the movie. Uh, you have to kind of pause it at the right moment. It's a little Easter egg that's in there for you guys if you wanna, if you have an older copy of the movie and you wanna spend some time rewatching. <laughs> that sounds like a symptom of a lonely and curious childhood. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. we found my first alien breast was 1997. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So wait a minute. Loose more, your favorite movie is Return of the Jedi. I'd say so, yeah. I mean, it's undeniably not the best one, but I think it's my favorite. And yeah. what's yours, Santiago? So, I had a similar to Loose more. Uh, my favorite when I was a kid was Return of the Jedi. I never understood the hatred that the Ewoks get, because they're actually kind of scary. <laughs> Not just in appearance, but they're they're cannibals. So, I mean, and like they eat people also apparently. Um, and they worship droids. And well, and they worship C three PO. And anybody who worships C three PO can't possibly be sane. Yeah. Um, Amen. So I, I always I always liked the Ewoks. I liked the the entire movie. Uh, I think that battle at the end uh, is probably one of the best uh, choreographed and filmed. Uh, battle sequences in in film history. I know like the, a lot of war movies and war movie lovers are going to hate me for that, but the kind of like three layers of what was going on. There was the obviously what was happening with Han Solo on the ground floor with the with the shield generator and Princess Leia and the Ewoks and all of that. Um, and then there was also the space battle, and then there was also Luke and Vader happening all at the same time. And each battle depended on what was happening in the other so they needed the shields down so that they could actually attack the death star uh and the everything that was happening with his friends was affecting luke in the chamber with the emperor right so it's a really well kind of designed uh and and well layered fight scene on top of that like that space battle is amazing it's probably the even with rogue one in consideration the space battle in return of the jedi is probably my favorite out of all star wars films it's so epic i think and so triumphant when they fly into the middle of the thing and blow the shield thing up and then they all fly away at the same time and like the Mm -hmm. flying through the narrow corridors of i i thought that yeah and and like you say the three different battle scenes going on at the same time and stuff like that is knocking off the dish off the millennium falcon also like uh as much as that hurts every time i watch it um it's good because it means like it 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 raises the stakes it means that you know the the millennium falcon isn't invulnerable like it can take damage right yeah yeah. um and so it does raise the tension a little bit that like wait a minute this might not be wide enough for but plus han said don't 
scratch the ship. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he uh, meant yeah, he meant it. Yeah. Um, but I think actually after rewatching them over and over and over again throughout my life, uh, I realized that really my favorite is Return of the Jedi, and it's not just because it's the the better film. It's actually uh, the best film out of all of them. It's the best um, written and it's the best uh, acted. I think um, that movie, when you watch it, not much happens in it. Yeah, yeah. I think, I'd, and I, I think I'd argue like the middle part is kind of slow, but because I mean, as an adult watching it, you kind of with the Ewoks and stuff, it is a bit slow going. And to me, anyway, like now as a like an, as an adult, for, watch sorry, it, for which it's one? Worthwhile. The Jedi. Yeah, I'd say so. The oh, okay. Because sorry, I was talking about Empire Strikes Back. Oh, sorry, sorry. That that Empire Strikes Back. Not much happens in that movie. Um, there, there's very little action throughout the film, except for the the very opening sequence and then the last fight with Darth Vader and the chase through the asteroids. But the chase through the asteroids is even kind of uh, stopped when they get into the uh, the belly of the the space worm, mm. right? And and so most of that movie is actually dialogue. There's a lot of talking in that movie, which is unusual for a Star Wars film, uh, especially these days. So uh, I think it's actually the really well put together in general, but also because it was my first experience with Star Wars and also because Tauntauns are amazing and they should exist in real life. <laughs> they are pretty cool. I think they're called camels in real life. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's uh, really good. Taunt, taunt. As, as a yeah. kid, something I found really cool was um, Han Solo using the lightsaber to gut the Tauntaun. <laughs> because not 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 for the, the gore of it or anything like that, but just seeing Han Solo hold a lightsaber just felt like an amazing thing. Yeah, there is something badass about that. Um, and the same with Vader using Luke's lightsaber in Return of the Jedi. It was unbelievable seeing Darth Vader holding a green lightsaber Mm -hmm. Um, but I have a very strange fascination with color inversions like if a Mm -hmm. thing is supposed to be one color and sometimes it's a different color that blows my fucking mind yeah like I'm like a blue like look google blue lobster and look at it it's a lobster that's blue that just blows my mind every time I see it I'm (laughs) endlessly fascinated by things that Yeah, there are blue lobsters under the sea. They're worth, like, hundreds and thousands of dollars, possibly. I don't know. I, that's an unverifiable claim. But, yeah, there's, like... Fake news. Blue lobster sounds like a White Stripes album. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, also, if you, like, invert those words, it can become, like, a Jedi name. Lob-blue-ster. <laughs> Lob-blue-ster. Um... But Excellent. yeah, when 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 Mace Windu had the purple lightsaber, like that's just oh, the yeah. fucking greatest thing in the galaxy, possibly. Um, One of the few cool things from the prequels. And that is why my favorite Star Wars movie is a Phantom Menace. It's not even <laughs> called a Phantom Menace. Um, I will say that I have seen every Star Wars movie in the cinema, all of them, mm-hmm. and I've seen the Phantom Menace nine times in the cinema when I was a mm. kid. So. It, it is weird that I've seen The Phantom Menace the most times in the cinema of any Star Wars movie, I think. Yeah, the same. Yeah. My actual favourite Star Wars movie is the Ewok standalone movie. Um, oh my god. <laughs> the Star Wars Christmas special. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, my uh, honest it's, it's actual... It's the Ewok standalone movie, because there's two, right? 
Yeah, there is, yeah. Um, but my, my favorite is The Empire Strikes Back. Um, it's mm-hmm. just badass. I don't know. Um, seeing Boba Fett for the first time is just one of the greatest oh moments God. of my life. Um, the Cloud City is just incredible, like visually stunning, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're like a mining colony and all. Like, I love it when a galactic, like, you know, a, a sci-fi movie with this strange, like, sort of its own different rules and everything. When they start introducing things like trade federations and <laughs> viceroys and things like that, I find that so fascinating. And the way that Cloud City was a mining colony and, like, they had restrictions on trade and, like, oh, things are picking up now. I don't know. I find that amazing. But um, everything... I, about- I, think, I think definitely Empire Strikes Back introduced a lot of cool... As much as, like, A New Hope was, like, great and it was, like, cool seeing all these characters for the first time, but, like, Empire Strikes introduced so many different cooler things to the to the franchise, didn't it? Like, Vader stopping the yeah. fucking... the laser, sorry, with his hand and, like, just mm-hmm. everything. So, yeah, it was, um... The part where Han Solo sexually assaults Princess Leia as well until yeah. she likes him. That's yeah. great. I mean- that's great. Yeah. He literally forces himself on her, and then yeah. she's like, "Ah, now I like you." And yeah, and then, yeah. yeah, and then forty-five minutes later, they're like, "We're in love." Yeah, and you're like, "Yep, age-old <laughs> romance." Well, I always appreciated um, that at the beginning of Empire Strikes Back when they're talking in the uh, in the um, the tunnel in the tunnels. Yeah, that you get the impression that between episode four and uh, episode five, that something had happened between them because she seemed the impression that they give is that she's pissed that he's leaving and she's just doing that thing where she doesn't want to tell him that she's pissed off. Mm -hmm. And so I always, uh, yeah, that, that scene on the millennium Falcons kind of, yeah, questionable. Uncomfortable, I think. It's un- it's uncomfortable, but it's also um, we don't have like the context for if if anything did sort of start to happen between them, uh, and she's just mad at him, or that doesn't excuse anything, obviously. But yeah. I, I always found it interesting that like you don't we don't really have that part of the story of what was happening because uh, episode four ends and then uh, episode five starts years later, right? Because they've they've gone up in rank significantly. Yeah, that's right. But I, I also will say, I, I genuinely don't actually think that that scene... I, it doesn't actually make me uncomfortable. Like, I watched it recently. I watched Empire Strikes Back over Christmas. And, like, while he does literally force himself on her, she doesn't really fight. Like, I don't know. Like, she's... Princess Leia is not your average, like, movie female star. Like, she's so mm. badass and so upfront and like straight to the point and stuff and she I does think... seem more like we have stuff to do right now this isn't the best time yeah <laughs> i think that's it yeah. i think that's actually a great way to draw a line under it because that makes perfect sense and is also fitting with the character um it's like we're in the middle of a chase and the falcon's broken <laughs> what the hell yeah <laughs> and there's one no not wombats mockerels uh mock what are they what are those things my Minox. Boom. Nerdgasm. But, um, yeah, w- one of my favorite scenes... No, my favorite scene in the history of cinema is in Revenge of the Sith when Anakin Skywalker slaughters a bunch of children with a lightsaber. Uh, it's just amazing. It's such a great scene. And I don't know well, how... We all know you're a big fan of child death. So. Yeah. 
But I mean, no Oscar or anything for Hayden Christensen. Yeah, for that scene. Yeah, I know. It's the yeah. it's the greatest scene in cinema history. Um, there should be a there should be an Oscar for the child, yeah, the little yeah. boy, right? And he yeah. reacts, and you can see in his eye because they don't show, but you can see in his eyes that he's literally just wet his pants. Yeah. You know, at the end of that movie, it doesn't say no people were harmed in the making of this movie, and that's because they literally slaughtered a bunch of children. Mm-hmm. To younglings, younglings. Y- younglings, yes, they're not real people, but I still think that's kind of out of order, like you know. Yeah. Mm. But um, yeah. Well, that we... they didn't apologize, or that the killing of the younglings. Both. Yeah. They're both pretty bad offenses, equal in measure, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's hilarious that they actually got him to do that, and still Hayden Christensen's acting like it just I didn't believe it, you know. <laughs> yeah. I thought that that was a genuine good moment in Hayden Christensen's portrayal of Anakin. I, I actually did believe it. The yellowy evil It's in because he eyes. wasn't speaking. <laughs> the thing about that that I will say before I stop talking about it entirely, because I get a lot I get in a lot of trouble for my defense of the prequels, but um George Lucas is just a terrible director and he doesn't know how to actually terrible direct- director and a terrible writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a really good toy salesman, let's just admit And good that. ideas. Yeah, but he he like he doesn't know how to actually direct scenes with people talking or like he doesn't like when when they're talking on like the when um fucking Prince no what's her fucking name Natalie Portman Queen Amidala Amidala um, or Senator Amidala depending on the movie Padme anyway is her name <laughs> when when she walks in and she's talking to Anakin and they're both just sort of staring out a window or something. And, like, mm. all the dialogue just kind of comes out. They don't look at each other. There's, like, no visible chemistry at all. That's because George Lucas doesn't know what to do. So he's like, here's a wide open room. There's nothing else that they could possibly be doing other than talking to each other. And that's what we're going to do. Like, he has no... I also... I, on top of that, I, I agree. and I But I think on top of that, the, the thing that compounded it and made it worse was that Hayden Christensen isn't a good actor. I don't think he's as terrible as what he as his acting in in uh, the Star Wars movies would lead you to believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, a, a good director can take a, a subpar actor and bring the performance out of them. And uh, I don't think George Lucas was able to do that. So it was, like, a bad combination of George Lucas not being able to direct Hayden Christensen in a way that brought out a, a good, genuine performance, and Hayden Christensen not having the kind of uh, ability or... or um, or, or just the amount of experience to be able to do it himself. Because I think even Daniel Radcliffe, like you can argue about his performances in the Harry Potter movies being terrible, but he's become a much better actor since then. And mm-hmm. it's and he's very vocal about it. He hates him his acting in those movies. Um, and since he did all this stage work, he's become a much better actor. And I think the same thing. Hayden Christensen has disappeared now. And I think if he comes back to acting, he's going to be a lot stronger than he was because he's probably doing some small stage play somewhere that we haven't heard of, right? I think he actually is a good actor. Uh, he's in this movie called Life as a House. I don't know if you've seen it, but he's really good in that movie. Like, I I, th- I think he definitely has talent. I think his disappearance from acting and the fact that he was in a Star Wars movie that everyone hates is no surprise because, like, look at mm. Jake Lloyd. Like, he's literally a drug addict because a bunch <laughs> of nerds couldn't handle seeing a nine-year-old being badly directed and like send him death threats or whatever i think well no but he has mental health issues on top of being a drug addict 
Yeah, but oftentimes those two things coincide. Like, you know, there's, like, uh, what's the word? Um, there's a lot well, of... No, I... I just remember reading about it and hearing that there was indications that he was mentally ill before that, even as a child oh, really? actor, and that they that because he was like this little cute kid. I never thought he was that cute. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> like I found that kid a little bit annoying. He looked exactly um, like me when I was younger, and like all my friends would always say that to me, and I was so. Was happy. it the bowl cut? Um. I, that's just, I've always just had long hair, so I think like his hair is kind of long. Like, I didn't have a bowl cut, I don't think, ever in my life, but I I, I did have a lot of similarities. Like in the well, way I'm I, sorry I just said that a kid that people told you that you looked like when you were younger wasn't that cute. Well, I mean, it is the greatest offense anyone has ever <laughs> <laughs> caused me, so... Um, I'm sorry I have to kick you from the call. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, sorry. Thanks, everyone. Um, no, I, I I just mean that uh, there seemed to be indications that he was that he needed help before that, and because he was this child actor that was um, putting butts in seats. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, they they didn't get him that help, well, and that that contributed, and then that leads to drug use, right? So. And he's in two of the greatest movies of all time, Jingle All the Way and Star Wars, A Phantom Menace. So, um, <laughs> let's talk I about... Mean, drug use aside, I mean, can we just all agree quickly that pod racing is cool? I mean, you know... Pod racing was awesome. Yeah. I really like the pod racing. I don't know if it belongs in a Star Wars movie, but even not belonging necessarily in a Star Wars movie, it was badass. Yeah. And the games were awesome. The games were awesome, yeah. Yeah. Can we agree that podcasting is cool? <laughs> is it is podcasting better than Now this is podcasting. <laughs> I was going to say that line at some point. It's the only thing I've written down for this entire episode. <laughs> In block capitals on a word pad is now this is podcasting. <laughs> so wizard. Nice. All right, so let's talk about the reason why we're all here. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. So what do you guys think about Donald Trump being the president-elect? I just think... No, anyway, um, <laughs> what, what did you guys think about Rogue One? Because I thought that it was pretty damn awesome and was very happy to see it. Who, I yeah, thought... No, I loved it, yeah. yeah. I thought that it was... Good. Good. <laughs> Let the yeah. podcast flow through you. Let the <laughs> podcast flow through you. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it was it was pretty awesome. Loose more. <laughs> um, yeah, I I, uh, I I I don't know whether I had higher expectations going into Rogue One, like uh, than the Force Awakens, but because um, I think it had like reshoots and there were like I think people like were quick to say it's not part of the Star Wars Seven. It's it's its own thing. So you kind of think, okay, well, it's it's not going to have that much connect. But like it was connected perfectly. Like it was it fitted in and seamlessly like, so yeah it was it was seamless and like the little nods to everything and it felt like a fucking star wars movie which is the best thing you can say about going to see a star wars movie is that it feels like a star wars movie yeah even uh, though especially a lot since of... it was missing some stuff that's typically kind yes of, uh, that's, star wars tropes that's what i was gonna say so the the music obviously was different um yes. it didn't have any of the wipes across the screen the mm-hmm. <laughs> you know which are so terrible but we accept it when it's star wars um, 
the war slash action movie uh, type coming up on on the screen whenever they went to a new planet. Yes, and it also just had a very dark tone running through it, which is unlike even in Empire, it's it's unlike Star Wars to have that kind of tone. I I don't I don't know. People talked a lot about the tone of the movie being darker, and maybe that's why I didn't think it was actually that dark. There's a lot of uh, if you haven't left because we said there was going to be spoilers yet, then this is your last chance because we're about to spoil Rogue One. Yeah, also, it's been out for a while, so what are you doing? Yeah. Um, I, there's a lot of, like, all the main characters die. So in that sense, it's darker. But I think there's a difference between, like, characters dying and, like, a tone of the film also. Yeah. I would it say... contributes to the tone, but like I don't feel like the film itself was that much darker than Empire. And I think part of the reason might be that we didn't have that much of a connection to these characters. Like I loved all of them by the end of the film, and I was sad to see them go. But part of it is also that you know that all those characters were probably going to die from the beginning because they weren't in A New Hope and they weren't in the later films. I think seeing Cassian for the first time, who became one of the main heroes of the movie, and the first time you see him he murders a guy, like, straight up murders him. And that's fine, mm. like, we're accustomed to Han Solo and Luke killing people, but they only kill faceless stormtroopers who are props of the Empire. And Greedo. Anyway. Yeah, and Greedo, yeah. Who had it I thought it was kind of a Greedo moment. I, um, I don't know. I thought it was something a lot more. It was like a... It wasn't just that type of thing to save his own neck. It was something bigger than that, I felt. and it. it I did think it was bigger than that because it was another human character. Yeah, as much as it's it weird seemed, to say that. It seemed yeah. so much more heartless, I think. Yeah. Um, and, and it wasn't as though the guy was giving him any sort of reason to do it uh, for his own personal well, sake. And I think, like, ha, ha, the scene... It was to protect Han, the rebellion. You know, like, Han, like, it was cool. Like, that scene with Greedo was cool. Like, Han flicked him the coin and was like, like, for your trouble, basically, kind of thing. And then you're like, oh, he's so cool, he, like, does a really bad thing, murders a guy, and then, like, gives a guy a tip. That's, plus plus like, Greedo shot first, so... <laughs> plus... What? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, is in this, like, uh, like, he like he shot him, like, in his facial expression was like, you know, he he seemed like he didn't care, and then he, like, he... You know what I mean? It was a little bit different to me. It felt that way, certainly, yeah. Yeah, I think it. I think it did, and that's one of the first things you see in the movie. I think that sets a tone. Um, you yeah. Also, like, yeah. I was just gonna say, we went into a new hope uh, from the off. Luke is already an orphan, and I really nearly said virgin instead of orphan there, and I don't know why. They're <laughs> sort of fucking nuts, aren't they? <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, Luke is an orphan at the start of that movie, as every protagonist in every adventure movie ever is for some weird reason. Where are all the parents? I don't know. But in this movie, we actually see Jin or so getting made an orphan at the very start. And, like, that's pretty, like, I don't know, it's just a little bit of a step further than the sort of adventure-esque type picture that we're used to seeing. And, I, I, yeah, I think that hey, that you, really... No, you're, you're turning me around on this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking about Empire Strikes Back, and I'm like, mm, mm, mm. I think you know what? Honestly, I feel like the music might be playing into the reason that I don't feel it was that much darker. Yeah, because I, I, I remember us talking before uh, I went to see it on the day that we recorded um, the what was it? Sixteen one, I think, wasn't it? Or was it the Christmas episode? Oh, it was the Christmas. It must have been. The, it must have been the Christmas episode. Anyway. Um, 
And I remember telling you that I had listened to part of the soundtrack and I was really hyped about it because it sounded like Star Wars, uh, but it, at the same time it wasn't. And I've seen the movie three times since then. And um, I think especially seeing it on the screen with the movie, like it still works, but the music is, for me anyway, missing something yeah. that I think is like that intangible John Williams flair. And it seems a little generic it's by the same guy who does the movie the marvel uh music and from what my understanding is he was brought in last minute to replace somebody else who was originally doing the score for this film yeah he was um and so it was done quickly uh with very little time and so i think there's things that work in it but i think one of the things that is not strong uh in terms of the, the the actual score of the film is the emotional relevance to what's happening on the screen Because the Rogue One theme, like the actual title theme, it does nothing for me. It's not like, you know, when you hear the Star Wars theme or Luke's theme, they're very iconic. But I've been trying to remember how the Rogue One theme goes, and I can only remember snippets of it. It's not even like Ray's theme um, in the new film or the First Order theme, uh, which like I can actually you know recall right off the top of my head and and hum to myself right you can relate it to those characters instantly too and the moments that were happening like the first time we see ray and she's coming down the hill sliding on the on the piece of trash that she just took from the sliding on the tauntaun (laughs) and you and you hear it it's very it's a very distinct uh you know, song is very different from other Star Wars movies, music, but it still feels like Star Wars. And I just think emotionally there's there's something missing in the in the music that takes away sometimes, because I remember sometimes the, the Rogue One theme would come on and I would be like, it would take me out of the moment. And I'd be like, why? Why are they playing this song right now? Is it just because the Ewing is on the screen? Like, I don't know. And, and that ties kind of to what you and I were talking about, the sound design in um, uh, Batman versus Superman. Yeah. when we did our 2016 yeah. episode and it, it was a very similar thing where it kind of like removed me i became aware of the score as a score and it wasn't integrated with what what i was seeing and i think that might be part of it i was going to bring up the score as the one thing i it's not even that i didn't like it it's just that my feelings towards it are complete apathy like <laughs> it it did nothing for me at all like i just yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I because from Star Wars you want the score, don't you? That that's part of the feeling of going to see Star Wars, especially the the, the cinema like that booming like soundtrack and the score like John Williams mm-hmm. thing. Like it it plays a part in the enjoyment of the movie. And I mean, yeah, I agree. Like it didn't it didn't bother me, but it wasn't also something that I noticed that much. And you that's probably a bad thing because you want to be able to like come out of Star Wars and be like. And then you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know. I think the um, only time I noticed it was when it was good, and I was like, "Oh, this is good." But then, like, it just completely drops off. And those moments where they would take like a like the horn section from a song in Empire or in Return yeah, of the Jedi, yeah. uh, where it would do like the really fast like da 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 da, and uh, like you would hear those for like brief snippets, and you'd be like, "Oh yeah." And then it would go away and back into like the regular music, and I was like, "Oh, well." Yeah, it was like a deliberate tease, I think. Yeah. Or, or and maybe... some of the songs were stronger than others and worked a bit better. Like when they are on Edu, the planet with all the rain and the Imperial installation, where um, uh, Galen Erso is. Um, a lot of the music that happened in those scenes was fine, I thought, yeah. uh, and they treated that well. Uh, that's actually, I think, the song that has those riffs in it. Um, 
but I I don't know. Like it's overall it was very meh. I liked it when Sabotage by Beastie Boys came on. That yeah. Was, that was Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was this movie, right? <laughs> yeah. Classical music. <laughs> Good choice. Um but yeah, so that was really like my egg. That, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I, I he's a good guy. But um yeah, the soundtrack was the one thing that I would I mean it's it's one of the main reasons why the movie would lose some of its score that I would give it or something. Like it just didn't really hook me in at all, but I was really impressed with pretty much every other aspect of it. Another thing I wanted to say about the darker tone was the scene where Cassian is so adamant that he's going to snipe uh, Jin's dad and kill him. Like you would that was really never, that. you would never get that from Han or Luke. Like that, that was so, like I don't know, just a, a commitment to a cause that we have not really seen the likes of in a Star Wars movie before. I, I do think like when they're all crowded around, like they've just had that big meeting, and she's like head of the meeting, even though she's just kind of like she's turned up on the scene now. She's leading a meeting, which yeah. is kind of weird. But we'll get past that. Um, but yeah, she was like. And then they caught, the meeting ended, and then like uh, Cassian came over with a bunch of other rebels, and they kind of were like, "Listen, we're bad dudes. Like I've murdered this guy. He's done some pillaging. You know, we've done some bad shit." This guy raped but, a Wookie. Yeah, this guy raped a Wookie. So it's kind of like um, the Night's Watch. Yeah, <laughs> but um, the, the explanation of the like, "Listen, we're rebels. We do bad shit." And it's kind of like, "Yeah, I guess they do," but we're I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? Like it's. It was the first time, like, they kind of explained that, like, we're not all good, like, you know what I mean? I think that was, that was well done. I think their, their, their whole thing was, like, we've, we've all done bad things because we believed it was for a greater good. Exactly, but, yeah. But now that greater good doesn't look like it's being served, so we want to serve it for you, because or else everything else that we've done was yeah. actually just bad. It wasn't, yeah, yeah, exactly. it didn't mean anything because the rebellion failed. Apart from the guy who raped the Wookiee, he just did that for enjoyment, but the rest we, we've been doing for, like, the good cause. He can't help that, though. That's a psychological condition. Yeah. Yeah. Wookiephilia, it's called. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was... <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God, don't do, do not make the sounds of a Wookiee being penetrated. <laughs> no, I was, I was, it was a Wookiee uh, complaining oh, about this conversation. <laughs> oh, I think we need one more blast of that. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, <laughs> so, well, what were your favorite scenes from the movie? Hmm, lose more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this and say the what without a doubt solidified this movie's place in my head as a great movie was one of the ones that was actually done in the reshoots which everyone was fucking moaning about because people love to moan on the internet before they know anything about anything um but darth vader fucking shit up in the in the yeah, that was pretty awesome oh it was so good like i remember it was it reminded me of jurassic park actually um do you remember like the the very opening scene in the first jurassic park movie when the velociraptor is uh killing the guy and eating him basically and the, the other guy's like shoot her shoot her um <laughs> and like i just thought like the rebel passing the plans while darth vader's coming for him it was yeah. very kind of evocative for me of, of that kind of like oh like that guy's gonna die 
Like, it and was... it's not going to be pleasant. Yeah. Oh, man, it was so good, though. I remember me and Luce Moore, were, we were recording an episode some time ago where, I think it was Don't Believe the Hype, we were talking about um, how hyped we were for this movie and how, like, we really mm-hmm. wanted to see Darth Vader actually fucking shit up because he's always been, like, a super villain. And even from the first time you see him in A New Hope, you know that he's bad and that he's done some shit. And the conclusion we came to was that it's about time we saw him do that shit. Because, like, we have Yeah. So it was so satisfying and so good. Yeah. I love that you, scene you... because it recontextualizes the next scenes that happen in episode four with him where he's aboard the Tanta 5 and he's like, the plans were beamed onto this ship. And Leia's like, I'm a... We're on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan, and he's like, "No, like he knows, he knows that they're lying because he saw them leave." I and don't. It's yeah, like, I think that that's it's kind, kind of, of awesome, but it's kind of a because, flaw too because she's like, "I'm on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan," and he's like, "Bitch, I just saw you fly away, motherfucker! I killed well, no, like but four I think of your guys." I think that's why he like. Uh, that kind of gives more context to what's happening. I think it changes the scene, not in a negative way, but it gives context. Like he kills uh, Captain Antilles, right? He's like, if this is a diplomatic ship, then where is the ambassador? And he, and he chokes like physically chokes uh, Captain Antilles to death. And then he goes sure. to her. And I think it's like this idea that even though they know that they're screwed, everybody on this ship is so dedicated to the cause that they're willing to stick. They're all sticking to the exact same story, which is like, we're on a diplomatic mission to Alderaan. This is a counselor ship. Like that's all we know. Even though they know that the empire knows that it's kind of like a, we're not going to tell you anything. It's so like a, a kind of like a defiant moment, <laughs> especially Leia's. Like, I feel like that makes her stronger is that like she's lying to him and she knows that he knows that they have the plans. But either way, she's like, no, we're on a diplomatic mission to, to Alderaan. And like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, okay. I think it makes her stronger. I had a huge problem one, with that scene. The, up until the only problem I have with the whole Darth Vader scene is that why didn't he just use the force to get the plans in the first place? I mean, clearly he well, just wanted to show off his, like, cool Sith skills, which was I awesome. Don't, see, wow. and I had this argument with a friend as well, and um, my kind of, my thinking of it is that the plans weren't actually beamed to uh, the Tantive Five. They were beamed to the uh, Corellian Corvette, right? Uh, that the, um, what was it, General Radis? Was the the uh, Mon Calamari uh, general? Yeah, no, I think it was general. Yeah, Lewis. the one who like I'm like that will replace at some point during. Exactly. Yeah. Because he dies. Right. Spoilers. Um, oh, so... what? What? <laughs> Fuck this! I like that guy. <laughs> uh, so the plans were actually beamed to the Corellian Corvette. And then they were transferred to uh, to a floppy, <laughs> and uh, and then taken to the Tantive Five. And I don't. I think you can assume that Darth Vader doesn't necessarily know that what they have in their hands is the plans themselves. And they probably finish uh, searching the ship that they're on before they go after the Tantive Five. Yeah, that's my only explanation, because otherwise it's like, yeah, why wouldn't he just use the force? Like, clearly he's handing something off to the other side. But does he see that he's handing something off or does he just see like a guy trying to get through the door? And also, why doesn't Magneto just use his powers to fucking Oh no, not Magneto, the other guy, uh, Professor Xavier. Why doesn't he just use his powers to fucking walk? You know what I mean? Yeah, true. Oh, that's true. Fandoms are full <laughs> of this type of shit. So, 
Um, yeah, because he can like he can use it to like levitate and shit. Yeah, he? he can make the wheelchair levitate. Like motherfucker, it's called walking. I stop being so lazy, Jesus. Yeah. Um, mm. But um, it was also really really fucking badass when Vader made a pun. <laughs> I never thought I would see that yeah. in a movie, but when he starts force choking the guy and says, "Do not choke on your aspirations," which is like, all right, my girlfriend don't, is a physio. Don't on your ambition. The, this, no, it's aspiration. Aspiration. The reason Does he really that, say aspiration? Yes, and yeah. here's why, right? <laughs> my girlfriend is a physio, and this was her first ever Star Wars movie that she's ever seen. We went to the cinema in Singapore to watch it, and she went, whoa, that's a really good pun. And I was like, all right, it's it's okay. I mean, it's fine. And she's like, no, do you know what aspiration is? And I was like, yes, it's a thing that, like an ambition, something that you wish for or hope to achieve. And she's mm. like, nah, like your aspiration in a in a medicinal sense is like the actual process of breathing. And I was like, ah, it's even better. Don't choke on ah, now, it, now it is a really good pun. It's a really good it pun. It works on so many levels. It's a layered yeah. pun. It's the ogre of puns. It's just amazing. Yeah, but I'm not sure. Hayden, I'm not sure Hayden Christensen can actually pull that off. So it doesn't work for me. I don't think. Well, he did. Hayden Christensen was Vader in that movie, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Was he? No. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't think so. Um, I'm. I am glad that they got James Earl Jones back to do the voice because in the I think it was the end of episode three when it wasn't James Earl Jones, it was very obvious that it wasn't James Earl Jones. No. Oh. Where's Padme? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Peter. He sounded like Andre the Giant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it appears that in your anger you killed her. Okay. Oh my god. Um, yeah, the, it's my favorite scenes... You know, this is actually a little bit... It's a, it's a favorite scene because it make feels like a Star Wars scene and it feels like an old Star Wars scene uh, is when they uh, K2 is dead. Um, what? And Spoilers. They, <laughs> and they break through and uh, Jin and Cassian are jumping onto the uh, Tower of Plans, Pisa. I guess. Pisa. Yeah. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. The Leaning Tower of Pisa. And there's a vertical shot down in that room uh, where you see them kind of climbing around the, the structure. And there's something about like the, the physical quality of the set. And then when, um, oh my God, what's his name? Director Krennic uh, comes through the door with uh, Death Troopers uh, and they start shooting at each other. There was something about that scene that was very A New Hope, very Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. Uh, just the way that it was filmed, it felt like Star Wars in in a in like a in a physical way, not just like an emotional like oh this is Star Wars, but like the actual set felt like it was a set from the seventies. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Um, and there was just something about that that every time I watched it, I liked that scene more and more. And Cassian falling, and it it just looks very eighties, seventies. Uh, it makes me very happy. Um. I also liked the. Uh, I mean, we're probably going to talk about Easter eggs at some point, but I really liked the inclusion of Red Leader and Gold Leader uh, yeah, yeah, from right. the from the original footage, uh, the unused yeah, footage from Red Five Four dies, and then that's yeah, the yeah. So that stuff was really great. Yeah. Um, and then beyond that, I liked some of the Edu stuff, but I I don't know. I feel like. Um, 
I didn't necessarily, I had favorite moments maybe, but not favorite scenes entirely. Uh, um, I really liked seeing Darth Vader in that tank when uh, he's mm. like, it, it, because you see that in Empire, um, well, you don't see him in a tank, but you sort of see him without his helmet on and you're like, ugh. Um, yeah. And in this movie, I think it's like, it's like the one effort to kind of humanize him in some way or like show his vulnerability. But also, it's just a really rare peek behind the curtain, kind of. Um, it was just really interesting to see, because we know so little about, you know, Darth Vader, how he goes about yeah. his day-to-day I do, I do think that whole scene where, like, obviously the lava... I can't remember the name of the lava planet. Obviously, it's the one from... Mustafar. That's the one. Geonosis. The one, yeah. <laughs> the one from... Um, Jesus. The one from Revenge of the Sith. Um, so, he, it's like, he, that's where he became Darth Vader, so that's where he, like, now lives, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that He's seems like, like uh, such a Darth Vader thing to do as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I thought that that was really neat that he would sort of build his base there, or, like, sort of... Well, and kind of the idea that he's kind of broken. Yeah, And exactly, that yeah. Th- this is the place where he lost who he was, and yeah. so, like, that's where he lives, because it's, like, the only... Maybe it's the only place where he can connect with that part of himself. I don't know, it's very interesting. Yeah. Um, he definitely that's, uses it But that's as, what like, I'm talking about, like, of... moments, right? Like, that was, a for me, a moment, but it wasn't, like, really, like, a full scene. I don't know if there was an extended scene that made me think, like, this is badass. Like, the, a lot of the fight scenes and the combat were really great. Um, but I don't, I, again, I don't know if there was, like, a full scene. I, I do think the, uh, the Rebel Council um, was pretty cool. Uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier because Jin was kind of leading it. I don't know that she was leading it. I feel like she was brought there to testify, and and she was doing that in place of her father, which is what she wanted him to do was to come yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was great to see Mon Mothma too. But that was the thing, Mon Mothma and uh, Bail Organa. Yes. Uh, having all all of the other like big players there that we hadn't necessarily seen. Um, and I like that one pilot. I think it was Green Leader with the mustache or Blue Leader. Yeah, the seventies blue mustache. Yeah, yeah, that guy looked right out of the nineteen seventy seven. That guy looks like he's literally dead now in real life. <laughs> he looks that old. Um, what do we think of the uh, um, Grand Moff Tarkin? Uh, we're gonna talk about this now. Uh. I don't know, because I wanted to just say that I thought the scene in... Like you said, you didn't have one scene that you thought was badass. I thought the um, the Middle East <laughs> guerrilla warfare scene... To I don't really know how else you would describe it. <laughs> other, than to, other than to actually describe it the way that it is. But when they go to well, that in the plan, city. Yeah, yeah. In when the they're like empires mining the Kyber crystal things, you mean? No, when... Um... Yeah, in Jeddah City. Yes, when, yes, yes, in Jeddah City, yeah. When uh, Saw Gerrera's um, guys attack the, the transport that's taking the kyber crystals. Yeah, yeah. it's so cool. Um, I, I don't know, I really that love was that scene. Cool. Like, it obviously perfectly resonates with the modern world, and like we've seen sort of that kind of thing happen on like news footage in real life, but even like apart from that, I just thought it was really cool to see guerrilla warfare in a star wars movie that we hadn't already seen i don't know like people Did taking on the empire successfully in such small numbers is always a real treat to see especially when it's mm-hmm. in new ways that we haven't already seen so the thing about that scene that was particularly awesome for me was um did you watch uh clone wars the cartoon no i didn't 
No, so when Saw Gerrera is originally introduced in the Clone Wars years ago now, um, he is on a planet called Onderon, I think. It's near Alderaan. That, how is that um, not like self-plagiarism? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> uh, and him and his sister are leading a, like a faction of um, resistance fighters uh, on the planet because the planet's been taken over by the Trade Federation. And so they're fighting back using guerrilla warfare and they bring the Jedi in and I believe it's Anakin and uh, Ahsoka his is uh, Padawan uh, who are brought in to train them to fight against the trade Federation and Anakin um, and Ahsoka teach them these techniques for taking out the tanks, which is to roll explosives under the tanks to make them uh, to hit their vulnerable spot. Ah. And all of the combat that was happening in that ep- in that scene in Jeddah City was almost directly from the strategies that Anakin had taught uh, Saw Gerrera back when he was a kid, That's um, awesome. just fighting on 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 this planet for his home. And of course, um, his his sister dies uh, right at the end of that episode, and so Saw Gerrera is left as the leader of that faction. And just to see him as like this extremist that was kind of created by Anakin in a way um to the in terms of training and then later joining the rebel alliance and he just showed up in rebels now um but we can talk about rebels later probably but yeah that scene was really awesome because it really brought the connection from the clone wars episode uh into this one it's like they're using the same tactics they're using those tactics that like and the, the link to anakin of skywalker of course that's really really cool i didn't even know that at all I thought it was so cool when they rolled that grenade under the tank. Like, I don't know. It's awesome. Yeah, and the snipers and stuff. It just felt so damn awesome. And the way that, like, Jin and Cassian were so, um, what's the word, like, apprehensive about having to go there. Like, you just got Mm -hmm. the sense that the place was a powder keg. And then you go in and actually see the, oh, man, it was so cool. And uh, K2SO obviously turned up and saved the day. And then Donnie Yen... And this is what I mean about my inability to remember the names <laughs> of all the characters. But Donnie Yen is like one of the most Star Wars names I've ever heard anyway. Um, but yeah, he was so damn cool in, in that scene as well. Chirut Imwe. Yeah, I mean... That's his character's name. That's literally a Turkish international footballer if ever I've heard one. <laughs> <It is> definitely. <laughs> I think he top scored for Turkey in the 2002 World Cup. I believe that to be true, yeah. Him and Hassan Sass were a great front duo. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, I I think I I mean I don't know whether Rogue One like works as like a I don't know, I'm I haven't really like been to see it or talk to anyone who's not a Star Wars fan like it would be interesting to see like if non like you obviously went with your girlfriend but like does she enjoy it as as a movie like or, because like we enjoy it for all the little Star Warsy moments do you know what I mean like um. It, Honestly, dude, I don't really have a girlfriend. I'm making a Star Wars podcast right now. Uh, no, for real, um, she <laughs> did actually like it. Um, yeah, no, she she thought it was really good, actually, and it made her really interested to see. Like, at the end of it, I was like, holy shit, I did not know it went that close to A New Hope. And she was like, yeah. oh, this, this, this was really good. And I was like, oh, man, where this ends... The next one, or the first ever Star Wars movie starts, like, right now. It's ten like, minutes. Right after this scene. Yeah, yeah, Like, oh, we really have to see that then. And I was like, yes, finally, my girlfriend wants to see Star Wars with me. 
And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so I think it does. Uh, one of the main criticisms like hurled against the movie, apart from the fact that it's letting the feminists win, was that the movie uh, has too much fan service in it, and I think that's ridiculous because like it had like I like the way you described the Santiago as Easter egg because I think that's what they are. I don't. It's not fan yeah. service. It's not things that interfere with the plot in any way. There like, were things that made sense also, like the the inclusion of um, Panda Baba and uh, oh, what's his name, Doctor. Walrus dude and Doctor Walrus's face, yeah. I mean. Yeah, well, Panda Baba is the walrus dude. Um, yeah. Seeing them on Jeddah and like them trying to get the hell out of there, right? And like they they don't even have time to pick a fight with Jin because they have to leave because they well, know. Uh, what is cool is like they just seem to be fucking up shit everywhere because like them, like <laughs> like uh, thirty minutes later they're on like um where 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 are they um Tatooine. Is it, yeah, it's Moss Eisley. Moss yeah. Eisley, yeah. Yeah, they're at Moss Eisley like half an hour later, like disagreeing with Luke about it. And then a day later. Well, is it? I mean, it's not that long, is it? Yeah, well, yeah, it is, it might be a you know, have to die, and then yeah, sorry, yeah. yeah. But they should, they get around a lot, so they're air miles. They're racking up some air miles, those two. And then really, yeah, it's it's a day later. They just. That guy bleeds gravy from his <laughs> limb <laughs> body. <laughs> yeah. It also gives you an idea of like why they were so stressed out in that movie. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. also, I, I I can't believe we haven't said this already, but the fact that they plugged that plot hole, that fucking forty-four year old long plot hole, or however it's been. Um, long hole. Yeah. I was. I'm on my third beer, man. This is when things start to Shoot the Death Star there. right in the plong hole. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that's a line, though, isn't it? That's, that is yeah. an actual... No, I think plong hole force, is one of Jabba's... Um... Plong <laughs> 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 Yeah, I remember having a plong hole action figure when I was younger. Um, hashtag plong hole in the chat. Um, yeah, we don't yes. have a chat. I don't know why I said that. But, yeah, the... Um, the plot hole of the fact that I designed you this fucking awesome weapon. <laughs> Just don't fire any bullets in these in this big huge hole in the middle of it, please. Um, I really liked the way they handled that. It felt I like did, yeah. it made sense the way that he explained it. Also, that uh, it had to be something that they wouldn't see. Yeah. Uh, and the way that he went about hiding it and making himself indispensable, um, and that it. Also, one of the complaints that I heard was like, oh, why didn't he tell them where to shoot right there in the uh, in the hologram? Which doesn't make any sense because the the rigging for the trap was so complicated and the Death Star is so huge that I don't think you can you can't just like give coordinates for like the whole. You have to to tell them how to get there and where it is specifically Mm -hmm. and how it needs to. You know, he does say with proton torpedo, um, but it's like you really needed the plans in order to get those, and he didn't have access to the full plans uh, from his station on Edu, right? Well, so. Maybe he thought you'd never hit that with a proton torpedo, even though Luke used to blast wombats in his T sixteen back home. Wombats? Yeah. yeah, that's right. The band. No, he used the to wombats. blast wombats. Yeah, yeah, he definitely. That's what he said. Wombats. Their yeah. song "Let's Dance to Joy Division" annoyed yeah. him so much that he used to drive around in his T sixteen blasting them. And yeah. I second that decision because moving to New York was all right, but when I hear it nowadays, I too want to blast him in my T16. So take <laughs> that, the wombats. And I recovered from that gaff really nicely. So well, well played. This is podcasting. 
<laughs> did you did you like when the uh, stormtroopers are talking on Scarif and one of them is like, oh, did you see that the T-15s are no longer like the they're they're being de- discontinued? Yes. Yeah, I did like that. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've had some great stormtrooper moments in the last two movies. Like the the two guys coming around the corner when Kylo Ren is destroying the fucking thing on the um, non Death Star. Yeah. And then they just turn around and walk away. That was also great. It's it's just mm. really good to see like an otherwise completely faceless villain, like the Black Currents from the um, Suicide Squad. Like it's great to see them actually being you know personified in some way. Like yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. There was the the two female stormtroopers in in that movie as well in the uh, Force Awakens. Really. Well, yeah, oh, yeah there's there was Captain um, Phasma, yeah. and then there's also one that talks to Kylo Ren when Rey first escapes. The Empire is getting... Oh, actually has a yeah, female voice, yeah. They're getting mm-hmm. so progressive. <laughs> they <laughs> well, even have a black first... stormtrooper. <laughs> we really don't know how many black stormtroopers there were. There was that really tall one that hit his head, so... Plus, they're all based off some, like, aborigine guy, or whatever he is. No. He's from, like, New Zealand or something, isn't he? Yeah, Django Fett. He was from New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's... but the Stormtroopers aren't. No, but... The Clone the, Troopers the, were. The Clone Troopers, yeah. Like, I mean, the Clone Troopers kind of gave rise to the original Imperial Army, so... Like, I mean, right. the uniform and the whole concept of having an army that's looks like that and that are basically, you know, literally Nazi Stormtroopers, like, that ho- That all comes from the Clone Wars, so... Right. Yeah. Yeah, another one brushed off the shoulder. This is podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> what do we think? Like, uh, like obviously K two S O played a, a, an amazing part in like the movie. Like he, it might be one of my favorite characters. Yeah, uh, in the whole thing, in Star Wars. Yeah, it's yeah, it's in general. He's like, definitely the best droid without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I, I love the way he sort of like trounced everybody with such acerbity, like <laughs> just such brutal honesty. Like laced with. Did you know that wasn't me? <laughs> he yeah. was so good. Like, yeah, I yeah. really, really enjoyed him. Um, I did like was... that he had that last moment with Jin um, before he went in, where he was actually kind of nice to her for yeah. a second. Yeah, you great, great droid development. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was really good. Uh, like, I did. I love that's that scene where he, um, where they're going to go, and he's like, "I'll be with you, Jin." There, so Cassian yeah. said, "I had to." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like the perfect beat right in between where you think like, oh, that's wonderful. And then <laughs> cuts to Cassian. Um, yeah. But he is kind of like C-3PO if C-3PO wasn't an annoying git. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's like a less British C-3PO, I think. I, and I mean that in the quintessentially British way, you know, like he's mm. like he's British, but he's not a character from the Black Adder or something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, is did anyone really believe C-3PO was British? Like, we don't speak like that. We, I don't think anyone like K- K2SO. I know people who speak like K2SO, kind of, but no one speaks like C-3PO. I mean, more, you sound Anthony exactly well. like C-3PO. I'm fluent in over six million languages. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I don't know, but uh, is it kind of weird that like there's no like K2 droids? In a new hope, when they're on the Death Star, is that a little weird, or do we just gloss over the fact that they're not around anymore? Maybe for some actually, there, because it seems there like weren't a... really that many though. Yeah. yeah, but he saw another one when he like walked it along the Death Star. Like, in, on, yeah, on, so in there were in in the limited amount of places that they were, there were three of them. Yeah, I mean that's like proportionally that's actually quite a lot, isn't it? Yeah, 
Maybe they're only they're also used in... Of... Sorry, go on. On well, what I was gonna say, I think it might have been similar to what you were gonna say, but that um, I, they might only be used like in bases or on ground combat. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, or scanning missions that's why or we, something like that. We don't really see them that, uh, do that kind of stuff that much until Return of the Jedi, right? And like, yeah, I guess you can come up with excuses for the cold on Hoth and why they weren't there. Mm. Um, but it could also be that those three on Scarab were the last ones. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that's a terrible excuse, but let's run <laughs> The chances of that being true are approximately 650,000 to 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never um, tell me the odds. <laughs> I think on Scarif, like, I think of all the Star Wars movies, this one, like, utilizes locations the best, I think, maybe. Like, Scarif looked awesome, and so did um, uh, the opening scene with um, Jin, like, young Jin and Galen and, like, on the farming. Yeah, that thing. planet like, was cool. That planet was cool, and, like, Scarif was, like, the first sort of, like, it reminded Be- me, it was kind of iffy though, it reminded me a lot of, like, uh, Mass Effect 1, where right. to the point where I was, I was kind of expecting to see the, t- the uh, whatever, the Mako right. driving around up the cliffs. I never played Mass Effect. Yeah, me neither. Right. Uh, wow. Go with that as a good... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping Lucemore would have taken one for the team and pretended, at least. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I played Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. God, 3's ending was... For that, not. That's good. all you needed to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel alone. Uh, anyway, it was a cool planet. Continue. I, I uh, yeah, actually... no. I, just, I thought location-wise, like that, it looked awesome. Like it just, I think utilizing, like I think that's the prequels get like a lot of shit for like being too CIG and not being CIG. Like, what what do I mean to say? <laughs> CGI. Yeah, CGI. <laughs> What, what does CIG mean? It's it's short for cigarette. Canadian improv games. <laughs> ah, Canadian improv games. Yeah, it was very Canadian improv games. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it reminded me of that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, no, I liked. I appreciated that they were real environments. It really brought yeah, it back to what they were doing with. Um, with the original trilogy, right? Yeah, I don't care anymore. They were just really great Canadian improv games, so... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I um, I thought the first 15 minutes was kind of a mess in the movie. Like, I was thinking yeah. about my girlfriend watching it and sort of how difficult that must have been to actually follow because it was a little bit all over the place. It didn't really introduce the Empire as bad guys straight away. I know, obviously... Um, like when it came down to it, like they did literally make a girl an orphan, like I, I alluded to earlier. But up until that point, I, I, I don't know. I, I just it wasn't really clear what they were, what they stood for. It wasn't really clear what rebel meant, like because right. the word rebel and stuff, like I mean that has connotations of both good and evil. You know what I mean? Like rebel fighters can be the mm. Taliban in certain news sections and stuff. So from a certain point of view. Yes. I, I think kind of like in that opening sequence, like director Krennic kind of came across came across quite charming, like in a weird sort of like, like do you know what I mean? Like he was like kind of uh, like if he was being introduced to that movie straight away, like he he had the most lines. Like Galen kind of came yeah, across he, a bit mysterious. He clearly had like a rapport with Galen, which kind of. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think it was entirely clear. I mean, obviously, he did have all the hallmarks of an evil person, but <laughs> I lo- what I really loved as the movie went on is you find out that director Krennic was really just a guy looking for a fucking promotion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. <all> yeah. 
I thought I I wish they had handled that a little bit better because he ceased to he became kind of like a clownish figure rather yeah, than an actual. He, did, yeah. he just seemed like one step behind everyone, and I don't know, especially because that actor, um, a I don't know they had an opportunity there because he looked like your classic uh imperial officer and that scene that was in the trailers that was in the first trailer that was never actually used in the film um where the camera was panning up uh well i guess it was craning up in a way uh and he was standing in front of the screen of the death star uh with like that kind of blue outline of the planet behind him yes he just looked badass yeah he did and then he wasn't and i was kind of let down by that a bit because i thought the actor did a really good job in in some of the scenes of seeming really intense he was like very close to being a count dooku type guy i would have really liked i know you enjoyed the pun and i i enjoyed the pun as somebody who enjoys puns i thought it was actually kind of like it it was too cheesy for me the the darth vader moment be careful not to choke on your aspirations it just seemed a little shoehorned in there uh and especially because i was expecting that scene from the trailer where he tries to defend the the death star to vader and he goes the power of this station is immeasurable and it was just it was a good line and it wasn't in there and so i i don't know uh director krennic could have been a lot more badass than he was the thing i'm gonna say in defense of the pun is anakin (laughs) and obi-wan in the prequels had a constant dialogue uh, pun filled dialogue with one another i remember there was a point where they were I, th- I think were they hanging off those big pillars in the Colosseum in episode mm. two and obi-wan is introduced he's and it's like oh obi-wan is also a prisoner anakin and anakin is like what are you doing here and obi-wan is like oh i'm just hanging around something like that it was some terrible pun like that but you know that's his uh jedi master that he has learned yeah. everything from, and I think it's not unrealistic to have expected him to develop into a guy. Who... <laughs> How you actually have like a serious argument for? I mean, honestly, that makes that pun sense. should have been. It's, I just, it does. It does. In defense of the pun, and I think it is characteristically consistent and accurate, and that is all I ask for when it comes to puns. And it, 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 it moves it from being a cheesy line to a badass line and also a canonistically relevant line. And therefore, the pun stands. Denied. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I enjoy the pun. Let's, let's just not diss the pun. End of podcast. <laughs> this, this, this is podcasting. Um... Yeah, um, I I really liked Krennic, and then he yeah he did kind of just turn into a coward. But yeah, what I was gonna say was that he was like on the bridge of being a guy like Count Dooku, when Dooku yeah. isn't Darth Sidious, when he's actually just Count Dooku, like just this badass guy with so much power and that kind of like villainous capitalism lust, you know, like where all right. he really cares about is power and his position and stuff like that. Um, and that's and it's why. I, yeah, go on. Well, I was just going to mention about Count Dooku. That's another thing that, like, the Clone Wars in a lot of ways are a better prequel than the prequels because they give a lot more context for the characters. Uh, and Count Dooku is actually, like, the best Jedi swordsman in, in like, a century uh, to, to ever be. So he was actually a better swordsman than Yoda was, for example. Yeah. Um, and better than Anakin, 
might have been at the time. Um, and then like to leave the Jedi Order and to, to be so corrupted and, and that kind of like dark side capitalistic uh, kind of agenda that he had in, in, in the movies made a lot more sense afterwards. Yeah, it's a shame he got beheaded by Anakin. Mm. <laughs> that was such a good agreement from the two of you. <laughs> well, I love Christopher Lee, so... Yeah, Christopher Lee is the man. Um, did you know that um, Mark Hamill is older now than Alec Guinness was in A New Hope? Yes. Isn't that fucked up? A little bit. I mean... <laughs> Alec Guinness did look old. Yeah. That's not to say Mark Hamill doesn't not look old. I think he was old. 63 or something like that when he filmed the first Star Wars movie. Jeez. Yeah. Wait, Mark Hamill can't be that old. Can I was he? just thinking that. How old is Mark Hamill? Oh, yeah, but maybe like Harrison Ford is like 70. Yeah, true. Yeah, because, yeah, well, I was about to say, because, yeah, I think he... Yeah, um, Mark Hamill is 65. Jesus. He is a damn good-looking 65-year-old, that guy is. Yeah, he's... Well, he was, he was super good-looking until he got in his accident, and then after that, uh, I mean, he was still a, a good-looking guy. It's just he had been in an accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just an attractive man who's, you know, had face scars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he, he went looks on, with a beard. Then he committed oh, he all those crimes in Gotham City. <laughs> that was yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, um, so I think uh, just before we start talking about the CGI Tarkin, uh, the way right. the character Tarkin himself and the way he totally shut down Krennic and told him he was going to take all credit for his job was just phenomenally evil. Like It was it was so Tarkin. It was such yeah. a dick move. <laughs> um, I thought the characterization was excellent. Like, it, it it like was. it really did feel like Tarkin was on screen, right? And that I think is like a very good positive to take away from it, right? Like he he did a really good job. The actor who played him and and did the voice was was really really solid and actually kind of looked a little bit like him. I, he did you know that you know, they both played a young Sherlock Holmes in uh, separate series? Um, basically, the guy who played uh, the original Tarkin, he was also cast as Sherlock Holmes on a British TV show, mm-hmm. and um, it, it had its run, it was successful or whatever, then they cancelled it, or like it ran its course or whatever. Peter and, Cushing. Yeah, yes, Peter Cushing. Peter yeah. Cushing, yeah. And then later on, uh, like many, many years later, they made another Sherlock Holmes TV show, and Guy Henry, uh, who is the guy who plays the CGI Tarkin, he was like, all mm-hmm. right, I'll play uh, Sherlock Holmes. That's not what he was like. I assume he auditioned <laughs> for the part. And I it. He saw said it. it just like that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he modeled his entire performance on Peter Cushing in Sherlock Holmes. So um, that's I, I just I think that's really fucking interesting. So um, it was really cool. Did you know that Peter Cushing, when they filmed the original uh, Star Wars: A New Hope, um, he had these uh, riding boots that he was wearing like all the other Imperial officers. Uh, but they had actually given him ones that were like two or three sizes too small uh, because he has quite large feet or had quite large feet. Uh, and so the first day of filming, he was in extreme pain because he had to stomp around and everything. And the day after that, he went and he talked to George Lucas and told him, look like the boots don't fit and they aren't going to be able to get me new boots in time. So can we just shoot me from the waist up? And George Lucas was like, oh, all right, that sounds good. Uh, and then <laughs> really good they, George yeah. Lucas impression. 
Yeah. It's just covered so, the frog. So that's why um, <laughs> it sounded a little bit like Kermit the Frog. <laughs> ah! uh, and so they uh, filmed him from the waist up for the rest of the film, and that's why there's no real shots of Tarkin's feet. I was always wondering why that was. <laughs> this guy's feet, what size do you reckon they are? Oh, well, I, I guess like the funnier part is that he spent the rest of the time actually walking around in slippers. So he had these big fuzzy slippers, and people that, were trying to do serious scenes with him. And... That's very Grand Moff Tarkin. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, just him sitting in like a chair in a robe you may fire yeah. when ready exactly <laughs> <laughs> the robe's slightly open as well just <laughs> yeah and he's just like dunking his tea bag yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. should we actually talk about Saw I don't think we talked about him at all um, and he was kind of a key part of the movie do you think he was, uh, he was like, overacted have... by Forrest Whitaker or like he he did really here's like the, give here's it here's the thing um Sagarera just appeared so he was originally in the in the Clone Wars and he wasn't like that. Um and then he appeared in Star Wars Rebels in just this past two part episode that came up and it's voiced by Forrest Whitaker and he's not doing that. Um oh. he's not as crazy. So that leaves me kind of with the question of like what happened between <laughs> the episode of Rebels and I'm like it's funny but it's also kind of I feel like we might get uh, another story here or another viewpoint uh, or another movie with Saw Gerrera in it where where this happens because one of the things Kathleen Kennedy said was that Saw Gerrera was originally going to be a much larger part of Rogue One yeah, uh, and then they ended up not using him just because of time constraints and there were other things that they had to deal with in the film uh, and so I'm kind of left wondering if we're going to get that story if we don't get it in a film we'll probably get it in a comic but there is going to be like because he loses his legs in the in the in the rebels episode he still has both of his legs he's not using the respirator and uh he's speaking completely normally also so he hasn't lost his mind yet so right. they, whether it's torture or something the performance was a little weird but i also think it's a similar to the kylo ren thing where people are like uh oh he just like he's a whiny brat and it's like well no he's not whiny he's emotionally unstable Right. And whereas like Sagrera's like performance, uh, Forrest Whitaker's performance, it seemed a little overacted, but it's like, OK, is it overacted or is there like information that we're missing as to why he's messed up like that? That if we had that, we'd be a little bit more understanding of like him being weird. I think a lot of the Sagrera scenes felt like something was missing. There was even, you know, the um, the pilot that he tortured using that big tentacle thing. Oh, gullet. Right. Did, yeah. did that not feel like there was something completely missing there? Like, yeah, it, it felt like there was like a the whole scene. Film. The whole scene had gone or something. Yeah. It was like, like that guy was supposed to go into full on mental breakdown or something. And then he's just like he just takes 20 minutes and then he's fine again. That felt so <laughs> weird. Like, I thought once that thing like had touched him or whatever, that that was the end of him. <laughs> and that he would be useless but he ended up playing like a kind of a you know a key role like that felt so weird to me it, it was, was like, a weird thing to be like he like the guy came out to him was like you're the pilot and he's like pilot and then about like as a, like a couple of beats before I went yeah i'm the pilot like yeah. that like, <laughs> thing was donnie like, yen get, get this boy a glass of water oh <laughs> yes <clears throat> pilot that's what i yeah am. <laughs> yeah it was so weird that felt so off and um yeah. i think th- yeah i think the same about the rest of saw Gerrera scenes it just felt like there was a a much broader context that we were missing from it um and the same too with like his 
interaction with Jen Erso, it just felt weird, I think, um, like something was missing. So I'd like to know what it was like before it was reshot, but also I fully support the reshoots because it gave us that amazing Vader scene. So Not just yeah. that. I mean, like people complain about the reshoots, but reshoots are something that's only entered like the common, like con- not common person, but like the, the average person's um, lexicon about filmmaking recently yeah they've been done in like <laughs> they've been done since all like, of the lord of the rings movies had reshoots and spoiler warning they won freaking oscars like i don't movies get reshoots and sometimes it's just because something didn't work out the way that they thought it would or because later on they're like oh cool it would be so awesome if we added this thing a lot of the scenes that actually appear in the extended editions of lord of the rings are actually reshoots is, you know? is it and a they, spoiler warning if you announce how many oscars it won I mean, um, some people didn't watch the Oscars, so... <laughs> yeah, it's true. Some people didn't watch the Oscars from 2003, Al. Come on. Exactly. Just, yeah. They might want to go back and watch those someday. <laughs> yeah. You're right, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Did you like the uh, appearance of the Dedrick? Dedrick? Is it that? Dedrick. Dedrick table in uh yes. Saga yeah, yeah, it, yeah it was like an actual one not like a digital one right like they, yeah, had, like they couldn't afford yeah no that was so good though that, that lent so much credence to the idea of them being like you know actual like rebels like dissidents like people living on the fringes like yeah yeah i thought that was really really cool um uh, so when Cassian is going around shooting people, but like these guys are the extremists yeah, and like yeah. even cassian's like no these guys are yeah Totally. Yeah, I, I think that's the one positive thing you can say. Like, not not. I mean, the whole movie is positive, but like that it fits in. Like, it feels very seven, like nineteen seventy seven. Like that feels, yeah, exactly like a New Hope. And then for a prequel to take place, what well, like we said, ten minutes before a New Hope, like for it to fit seamlessly into that is is the biggest positive and compliment you can say about a movie that's meant to take place ten minutes before a New Hope. So, you know, having those little nods where it looks exactly the same is just mm-hmm. perfect i think that's why the movie works so well i think somebody uh, uploaded to vimeo like the last five minutes of rogue one and they uh transitioned it seamlessly into the first five minutes of a new hope no way. and it's like unbelievable that's yeah awesome. yeah it's really cool um so do we want to talk about tarkin's face <laughs> Yeah, so I knew straight away. I, I, I don't, like, it was very, 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 very good. If I was playing that in a video game or something, I would be blown away by the right. complexity and just how well they nailed that down. But, it, I mean, it didn't look real at all. Um, it, it, it was kind of too obvious, I think, to the point of almost distraction from the scene. Like, it was very good, yeah. and I can marvel at what a, an amazing feat of filmmaking it is that we've come this far, but at the same time, I just don't know if that technology is ready to be putting an entire character. I mean, into. I didn't... I mean, knowing that Peter Cushing has been dead for 30 years, I obviously knew it was CGI. Uh, but... Well, um, even then, you know... Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's just... it. I didn't expect, like, I don't know whether we knew going in that, like, Grand Moff Tarkin was going to be in the movie, did we? I don't no, know if there's anything. No, I, I uh, No, we assumed that he ha- kind of had to be in some respect, even if it was, yeah. like, a hologram, because he is, like, the at the same level as Darth Vader, if not just above him, in yeah. terms of, like, the... Um, and actually, when they do the pat, like, you see him from behind, don't you, first? Um, yeah. I, 
I, I maybe would have been okay with it not e- even having him turn around. Yeah, maybe. I think the, the reflection um, in the in the window. Yeah, in the actually, window, was, yeah, might have been. I work. thought that was and so elegant. Just, yeah, the reflection was seen. phenomenal. Like that yeah. was really, really good. Like an absolutely beautiful touch. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it would have been amazing if they had just left it like that. Because I, I well, that that said, like any every scene he was in, like we were just talking about earlier, like he shot down director Krennic. Like by taking all the credit, like it was a, that was a great scene. Um, mm. So I mean, I, you know, I, I think it, even I think showing it, him from a wider oh. angle, I don't understand why they pushed in for close up so often. And it felt yeah. like some of those scenes yeah. went on for just half a second too long, where yeah. it's like, oh, this one's actually all right. Like I didn't notice it as much when, oh nope, there it is. Yeah, and then they yeah, cut yeah it's I like, agree. Cut earlier, cut earlier. Yeah. yeah, they gave you too much time to focus on it. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree with that. I feel like it also like some of those scenes could have could have been holograms why did he have to be personally there like the 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 kind of blue fuzz of the holograms could have hidden a lot of the kind of imperfections with the recreation right? that's a great point actually that would and have also made like so much more sense kind of like half turns where you only see like part of the cheekbone and like the eye and maybe like the the chin and the tip of the nose uh i think one of the things with princess leia's uh recreation uh, like the recreation of carrie fisher's younger self was that in that scene when she first turns at the end and she's in profile it's uncanny like it's unbelievable how good it is because it looks genuinely like her yeah um but then when she turns and faces the camera and starts talking again that one's one that was like i was like this is a this is better than the peter cushing one and yeah. then it hangs on for just like half a second too it's long too long yeah and it's like the mouth does something slightly weird and you're like why why here's what i would imagine happened was that the company that they hired to do that uh, vfx probably demanded um well but it was ilm though uh well when you come at me with your knowledge with your Three letter acronym knowledge of what actual company it was, I can't. <laughs> it's no Canadian improv games, I'll tell you that now. <laughs> um, I do think, like, the layer one, especially after having all the, like, the, um, the Peter Cushing in the movie, like, they probably thought, mm-hmm. well, you we may as well have Carrie Fisher as well. Like, but I do think that with the Princess Layer one, they could have just had, as soon as that guy came to that room and, like, they, they went past the door and you just saw the back of, the white dress and the head thing and like the little shape of her head yeah you could that could have ended then it could have ended then yeah, you could have been like, i thought that was uh, fine yeah. the way it was or yeah, even but, the profile because like again that that profile exactly, shot was yeah. like so good and she could have said the line like that like we have hope just from behind but they had to give her like a full-blown you know close-up of and it was just, it felt unnecessary uh, and it felt like if, they lacked restraint if she delivered the we have hope line where you didn't actually get to see her say it, I think that would have been kind of weak for a closing line, maybe. Especially going into A New Hope. I don't know. I, I also, think... do you think they needed to say hope as many times as they did? Like, I they really they pushed hope think, hard. But, but I think they're recontextualizing what hope means in A New Hope, because for the longest time we assumed that hope meant Luke. But yeah, really, true. like the A New Hope is also the Death Star plans. It's like that we now have this way of destroying yeah. it, because... We're from in a new hope. It's like they already have the Death Star plans, but we don't have any context for how difficult it was and how close the rebellion came to not existing uh, because they had actually given up. And it was, you know, General Radis and it was um, uh, Bail Organa who were the ones who went in and and actually, well, not Bail Organa, but uh, Leia uh, representing him who went into the fight when they weren't supposed to. I thought that hope represented Han Solo's daughter. 
Hope Solo. Oh. Yeah. yeah. International the, the goalkeeper famous. for <laughs> the United States. Famous yeah. domestic abuser, yes. This Han Solo has such a bad record when it comes to his kids. <laughs> he really does. He's they not all turn out to be cunts. <laughs> Um, where do we think like it stacks up in the in in like in order of Star Wars movies? Like, can it be placed amongst the so? The seven? I think to me it belongs in a different place in yeah. the Star Wars canon. Like, I um I am a man who like I I don't really cry an awful lot or really portray a whole lot of emotion in my day to day life. Um, but recently I've started this really annoying thing where when I'm, when I'm at a concert and I'm really enjoying it, like I can feel tears. They don't actually come. I don't actually cry, but I feel that sensation Mm -hmm. to need to cry because I'm so overwhelmed with happiness, which is so fucking weird. Um, when I was watching, when I was watching the force awakens and, um, Ray and, um, and Finn were in the millennium Falcon and they were trying to escape and they were like fly- evading those two TIE fighters. Like I had actual tears in my eyes because I was so fucking happy that I was seeing like the Millennium Falcon in Star Wars in the flying cinema. again for the first time. Oh my god, it was like it's it's so hard to describe how. And I even watched it. I I saw that in the cinema three times, and every time at that exact point, I felt the tears. And it's so weird. I didn't get any of that from Rogue One at all. And I saw Rogue One with my girlfriend. So, like, if I were mm-hmm. to feel in any way, like, it would have just it would have just come all out. But, um... Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree with you. Like, I think Force Awakens was a different experience, especially for people who grew up with the originals. Like, especially, like, right. with the and, and, like... Um, yeah, I did cry when, like, uh, Carrie Fisher's Princess Leia came off that ship and they landed and they had that moment... She had that moment with Han Solo. And it was like, ah, me too. <laughs> Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's, like, and it gets you. Like, whereas this, we have no connection to these characters really um, as fans. I mean, it's a fucking great Star Wars movie. Like, I think the closest I got was when K two died. To be honest, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, K two S O. Like when he died, that was the one that hit me the hardest. Um, I'm so glad. And the, that, part of um, the problem when uh, when Felicity Jones and Diego Luna were at the end just waiting for the explosion to hit them. And it would have been such an emotional moment, except for the entire time I was thinking, like, please don't make them kiss. Yes! Yeah. Oh my god, I was don't, just don't about kidding. to say that! Yeah. I was just about to say that exactly. Like, the hug was nice. Like, that, that was, the hug yeah. was nice. But, but, but yeah. I, I did not appreciate the hand touching before that. I, I was annoyed at that somehow. Like, because Star Wars does this great thing where... Like, I knew they wouldn't, because Star Wars never does that in the first movie. I know Luke and Leia kiss, but they're brother and sister, so if you think that was, like, a normal kiss, then you're disgusting. Hey, but, it was for luck. Yeah, exactly. It was for luck. Yeah. Um, and Finn doesn't explain and, the one in the second one though. Finn and Ray didn't do it. Like, no, I mean in the first movie they don't do it. Like, I think Finn and Ray will probably kiss because I'd say by the well, end of Ray this year. Well, Ray kisses Finn's forehead at the end when she says goodbye. Yeah, but but I get on. the feeling that just because of the way that they've been treating it, I get the feeling that Ray and Finn are are just going to be friends, and I, that's the I, happiest. I, I think they will boldly take this. I think the reason they've kept them apart is because for some weird reason in movies. You are not allowed to be an interracial couple unless that is the focus of the plot. So, uh, or or else, alternatively, you can be Will Smith and have a white 
girlfriend. But that's it. There's no other circumstance in Hollywood where it's okay to be an interracial couple and not have. We that. bring this up on a lot of podcasts, it's, but I, 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 it's hard to like disagree, kind of. Yeah, like, I mean, just name a movie off the top of your head where there's a black person and a white person and they're a couple and it's not the storyline. It's really it's hard to do, and yeah. it, especially in a blockbuster. Like I'm sure there's probably movies, but. Um, I think that's why Finn and Ray were kept apart. So, like, I, I, I think that's why they created, like, a friend barrier around them. Or I should have said friend zone. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they... <laughs> I, I think they will get together, though, right? Because, like, Finn mm. wants it too bad, and he'll probably just assault her. I kind of like the, the idea line. of Ray not being emotion like, uh, evolved, involved in that way with anyone, though. Yeah, but... Will the other nerds be happy with that? Because like they're already <laughs> really unhappy that she's a Jedi who realized her powers. Well, I honestly, in my feelings on this, is that they're going to about to be really, really unhappy because the rumors are that Poe Dameron is actually uh, gay. Oh really? And that he has a thing for Finn. <laughs> that would be so good. I really he hope has to a, do that. He has, a, he has a thing for Finn. Oh. Yeah, there's a there's a moment when uh, they first meet again after yeah they um, hug they hug and he's like wait a minute that's my jacket and finn's about to give it back and he's like no keep it it looks good on you and he bites his lip and so like (laughs) fans have actually like zeroed in on this as like oh my god he's gay for finn um which i don't think would necessarily be a bad thing as long as they uh handled it correctly and by handled it correctly i mean like don't say it until like afterwards and don't make it a plot point as right. long as he keeps saying we need company, he can do whatever he wants. <laughs> That's all I need from Poe Dameron is to say we need company, or sorry, we've got company, over and you over. You need a pilot. Yeah, I need a pilot. Um, but yeah, I, the Force Awakens like generally make or genuinely makes me feel butterflies, and this didn't do that. Mm-hmm. So again, going back to the score, man. Like I feel like part of that has to do with the score. The score uh, and the other just basic parts of the Star Wars aesthetic, like the opening crawl and the wipes, and you know what I mean. Like it just. But that's it. I I didn't miss the opening crawl. They did that deliberately, didn't they? So though that it wouldn't fit in with the other seven. Like they made the seven as that Star Wars seven and eight nine, and then this and the Han Solo thing, and then. The whatever the 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 blue clune is it the blue clune the that that's definitely that should be a thing. Blue clune? I believe it's is, the Ku Klux Klan you're thinking of. Yes, I believe it's. No, yeah. Jedi Master Plo clune. That's the one. Yeah, they should yeah. definitely do one about him because he had a gold lightsaber and that guy's badass. Dude, that guy was a badass. Yeah, right. L is completely they, lost. They right they now, do but... they do stuff with him in Clone Wars and it's really good. Oh, why do I not watch Clone Wars? Because um, the, the first two like seasons that. are kind of unbearable, and then the third season picks it up. Okay, but yeah, I think I, I mean, do we think it's good that they've they've made this set like this separate? I mean, could they have gone with like this is three point five or? Nah, what? nah, it has to be separate and it has to be standalone. I think. The the thing is that um, I like the idea of the standalones because eventually what they'll be able to do is what Marvel's been able to do with like its more ancillary characters in terms of Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. It allows them to take bigger and bigger risks and tell stories that aren't necessarily uh, the way that we think of Star Wars now. It's like they're weaning us off of what we yeah, think of right. as Star Wars. And yeah. that's why the first movie had to be tied to the trilogy. 
like and that's the, why it the original it, trilogy. That's why it's so close to the bone in that sense as well. But and I it's think... the same thing with episode seven, right? Like that's why the plot is so. It's literally the plot of a new hope. It's like they played it extremely safe because they had to recapture that lightning in the bottle. They have to rediscover what Star Wars is and how to film that so that they can start iterating on it, right? Yeah. yeah. And so like maybe then you do get like a Plo Clune movie, or maybe you get a movie about characters who were never actually part of the the Star Wars universe. Maybe you do get an Old Republic movie uh, a few years down the road, right? Maybe yeah, they'll make so. a Firefly season two and say that it was in the Star Wars universe all along. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> Maybe we'll get a Marvel Star Wars crossover where like Boba Fett meets Spider Man. Yeah. Oh god. I would like it if Boba Fett killed um, Chris Pratt's character. Uh, Chris Pratt in real life. If Boba Fett killed him in real life. You don't then... like Chris Pratt, friend? Oh yeah. Why don't you like Chris Pratt? <sighs> Let's not go here, Elden Aaron. Let's... <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's not that I don't like... Ah, uh, yeah, we won't go there. Um, but it's being yeah. overused in Hollywood. We'll yeah, no, it's not even... It's When was the last time he played a likable character? Like, God, his fucking... In Jurassic World, I just wanted him to get eaten by those raptors so fucking hard. I think they're trying, the right so, hard, I think they're trying so hard to make him be the Han Solo character, aren't they? Like, in everything he is well, in. Like... Star-Lord is literally Han Solo. Yeah, I think they're trying very hard. But I think the whole point is that Han Solo can't really be the sole person in a movie because Han Solo himself isn't a particularly likable character. Well, Han he? Solo's character arc is that he's supposed to die. Like that's what the that's what the yeah. Han Solo character is traditionally in any Hollywood movie is that right. he he's not fully committed. He kind of gets on board. He dies. That's what happens. It's to show you that sometimes in life, kids people die, and it's shit but it happens. Yeah. Like, that's what he's supposed... And that's why they had to reinvent that entire arc for The Force Awakens as well, to bring him back. Like, now he's a smuggler. Ah, he doesn't want anything to do with the Rebellion. Ah, oh, he's all in. Ah, oh, he's dead. That's, yeah. that's, that's like, what's yeah. supposed to happen with him. Whereas Chris Pratt gets to live. Anyway, <laughs> I don't really hate Chris Pratt. I just want him to stop being... I think it's the types of roles that he gets cast in and yeah. the writing of those roles. Yeah, and right? I have the same thing to say about Ryan Gosling, too, so... We'll see with... Um, uh, he, he definitely dies in La La Land. Yeah. What, oh my that's, god, what am I that's, thinking that's, of? You're Blade uh, Runner. Blade Runner. Which Blade also Runner. has Han Solo in it. Hello, people. Sheeple. Yeah. The writing's on the wall. It's a conspiracy theory. Wake up. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, should we maybe then... Uh, well, we were still stacking Force Away, or the Rogue One, right? Oh, sorry, we were, yeah. Um... And I, yeah, where do we think it comes, like, on the yeah, yeah, scale? Yeah. Um, I, I, I kind of, to finish my point, my very, very long discussion <laughs> point, um, I, I feel like it just stands alone, honestly. Um, this is a standalone movie. It stands alone. It might be rogue, if, if, if you will. <laughs> I, don't, I don't get it. In terms of all the rogue it. movies, this is number one. Yes. It, it is it's, yeah it's one on its own. Well, I mean, there's this is obviously the prequel to Rogue Nation, the uh, <laughs> the Mission Impossible. Movie. Uh, people were kind of overlooked that, really, but it is it is the case. That's very true, clearly. Yeah. Oh mm. man, imagine Tom Cruise in a Star Wars movie. Please don't imagine Tom Cruise running in a Star Wars movie. Tom Cruise. Oh. Uh, I, I think every movie needs plays Tom an Cruise, Ewok running. And he, he needs to run, so he needs to be an Ewok that can Ewoks run. Ewoks can't really run. Their limbs no, no. are just sort of one stump. 
<laughs> they have very like st- they're basically like furry organic R two D twos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I I see. For I kind of agree that Rogue One does kind of stand by itself because I feel that in a lot of ways it it did Star Wars better than Force Awakens, and I know a lot of people are placing it higher up the pecking order than Force Awakens, but I think it tells a better story. I think you're right in the way that Force Awakens is essentially. A New Hope, isn't it? Basically, yeah, Force and that's yeah. Is, the plot is, points is the same thing. Whereas, like this tells a better story, like from start to finish, is probably a better told story. The fact that they die, it's, it's mm-hmm. darker, it's grittier. Um, but yeah, I mean, Force uh, there is something kind of. Kind of like, it's almost yeah. like lazy. It's not lazy, lazy, but it's it easy. was the safe bet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's safe. That's the word. Um, but it it's safe and it's also laced with just all of these pieces of nostalgia that make mm. you like actually happy. Like they release endorphins into your brain. It's that type of happy. Whereas rogue one is just a really close to the bone plot maneuver in star Wars that, you know, right. will definitely not hurt to watch. And in terms of it as a movie itself, it's really, really well made. Like I, I would say it's the most well-made star Wars movie since the empire strikes back. Um, well, no, since Return the best of the Jedi. Um, In terms of cinematography, it is the best film. The scene of the Death Star eclipsing the sun before it shoots down on Jedha, completely uh, yeah. symmetrical shot. Yeah. Brilliant. I wish oh, they had oh, actually yeah. helped for a little bit longer. Cause it was, well, it was... all those scenes, to me, on Scarif, where like the AT-ATs are going through like the trees and like oh, yeah. hitting yeah. the sand and all that stuff. Like, just, it looked fucking great. Like, um, yeah, so... What did you guys think of the the new ships? How they fit in? The there was the UN and there was the Tie Striker, and then there was also those Imperial tanks on Jeddah. Yeah, it, and it then, made uh, sense. Ships. The the tanks, like why were they not on Tatooine? But then you remembered that they only released like a few. They sort of scoured stormtroopers across the galaxy to look for uh, those uh, um, landing pods. Um, mm. But yeah, they. Uh, the, all of the things they used in it made sense, and they all looked Star Warsy. And I guess that's all you can really ask for, isn't it? Like, yeah. Well, and there was also the apparently the Tie Strikers were decommissioned, like they were about to be decommissioned just right around the time that that movie takes place. Um, and explaining why they aren't in the, and I think they're also supposed to be planetary fighters. They aren't supposed to go up into space. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, I love th- I love that can be a thing in Star Wars where like because it's not in a New Hope now like everything that comes before New Hope like this the Han Solo like movie and like whatever movies that take place between like three and four they can now be like well they decommissioned them that's why they're not <laughs> yeah. in a New Hope they just decommissioned them they're not there yeah, they just decommissioned them they yeah. shut the down Falcon the production so facility and Bruce Springsteen yeah, wrote four albums just, about it. it it was so costly the factory wasn't making any money they decommissioned them that's yeah. <laughs> Don't ask too many questions. Man, they they gotta have like a galactic Bruce Springsteen in in the next in the Hans yeah, yeah, yeah. who sings about them shutting down the factories, yeah, the Corellian factories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love his album. There's, there's a there's an amazing tweet in there that you need to do, but it needs to be crafted better than just yeah, so hard. Uh, yeah. Have you ever seen the Onion article about Springsteen's album Red Dust? It's like a oh, I think so, it's yeah. like a concept album set in the 25th century of uh, Martian 
co- mine colonies being yeah. mistreated by. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so fucking okay. good. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think all I think all the new things they introduced just looked Star Warsy. A lot like I think everything in the Force Awakens looked gloriously Star Warsy too. I think whatever they're doing now, they just have a sort of idea in their head of you know how right. Star Warsy things look, I suppose. I think that was just my biggest criticism of the prequels really is that it looked too shiny and stuff. New. It, didn't look too Star- new, yeah. it looked too new and then now they're like things look need to look a bit dusty in Star Wars. The used you know I mean? universe, right? Yeah, like, exactly. It is uh, a used universe. Like it's it's dusty it's and lived it, in. Li- exactly, yeah. And right. I love like Luke's robes at the end of episode 7 when he's standing on the on the cliff and his robes are just like disgusting. Like yeah. they're they're completely dirty. Uh, and the then you compare that as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was just eating a sandwich. Uh, you compare that to the Jedi robes in um, yeah. in any of the prequel movies, which are immaculate. And then you start realizing that all of their clothes are immaculate. And it's like, of course they were immaculate because they were filming all of this in front of like blue and green screens with no context for what was happening. And you know, like it, it's there was no connection with that environment. Plus, Whereas, there, like, there these was ones, peace are... and order in the galaxy. Back yeah, then. I mean, when the Empire took over, like they, order with they, the dry stopped, cleaners. they stopped, yeah, they decommissioned dry cleaners and <laughs> they stopped people showering. <laughs> That's what Obi-Wan means when he says a more civilized age. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Classic Obi-Wan. Such a conservative. <laughs> what do we think about them not saying, like, his name in Rogue One? It just to me it's like very tryhard. The Jedi friend. Like, the Jedi friend. You fucking know his name. Don't. don't well, Mon Mothma probably doesn't know who he is. Oh uh, no, but yeah, but Bail Gano should be like, oh Obi Wan, and she was, yeah, that's the guy. But except he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll ask the guy. Okay, yeah. He disappeared and he became old Ben Kenobi. And let's not forget that this is a universe where a bright and educated young man like Luke can go. Obi-Wan Kenobi, I wonder if he means old Ben Kenobi. Like, <laughs> listen up, you fucking idiot. The likelihood, <laughs> considering they have the same last name and they're both an old hermit guy, is pretty Well, he says maybe li- maybe he's a relative. Yeah, but either way, um, I think it's fair enough that they just refer to him as the Jedi guy because clearly Obi-Wan was going through a serious, like, identity crisis at this yeah. time. And so, um, yeah. That's a good, yeah. A very Bruce I'm, Jenner moment. But. I'm really good at. I'm excited for things. the. <laughs> I'm excited for the future of Star Wars after this. Like, yeah. I, if Rogue One did one thing absolutely well, was that it really got me excited for not just the Episode Eight, which we get to see next year, but also and all of the trailers and stuff that's going to come out for it, but all of the uh, new standalone films that are going to come out. Because I was slightly worried about the Han Solo film, because I felt like it was completely unnecessary, and even like. Alden Ehrenreich, I think is the actor's name. Is Alden like, Ehrenreich, I, I, I think is his name. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought like, okay, like I, I saw him in um, in uh, Hail Caesar and like I thought he was really good in that and maybe he'll be fine. And then I saw Rogue One and like knowing that Donald Glover was cast as Lando, which is probably the most perfect casting choice in the it's, last it's 10 years. So good. It's amazing. Yeah. It, it really kind of like built up a lot of, of it gave me some new hope for uh these these standalone films because uh I, I was a little worried and now i'm not so worried because disney that, that's one of the things about disney and the amount of money that they spent 
on uh, stuff like Marvel, but also Star Wars. Like that's a lot of money to invest. And on top of that, the fans are so jaded, even still, because of the prequels. Um, a lot of them, anyway. Some of them really like the prequels, and that's fine. Is that they can't afford to make a bad Star Wars movie? Yeah, because people will drop Star Wars if they make one bad Star Wars movie. They like they can't. And I think one of the good signs is that they haven't really made a terrible uh, Marvel movie either. Like probably the first Thor movie might be the the worst of the Marvel movies. And that's really good. Yeah. Well, I really like it. I just yeah. I mean, it's it's not terrible, and that that's the best thing you can say about it. Exactly. It's, it's the worst, and it's not. It's not at all terrible, so, yeah, I mean... Um, when he they walks know what into the pet shop and announces that he needs a horse. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's yeah. the best part in any Marvel movie ever. Isn't and it honestly, what, like he's I, having a tea and he like throws it on the floor this, and smashes he, it? It's like, goes, another. This drink, I like it. Yeah. Psh, yeah. Another! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just, feel like they're, they're going to be a lot more careful with Star Wars even than Marvel, yeah, just because I it is such an important thing right like it's an important property uh, to uh, on uh, many many different levels um and it they like they can't avoid like they can't i don't think they can afford bad press on star wars they need good press on star wars it's also disney building itself up as like this empire of making now really good movies like before they were just like the disney cartoons and that's all they were known for because even like the disney family home movies like like those were kind of like stuff that you would rent at the at the video store or watch on the Disney Channel, like nobody gave a crap about them. Um, but like these are huge films, right? Like they're now a studio to rival other studios in terms of like the quality of film that they're putting out and the, the quality of product and the the way that they've demonstrated that they they have a genuine care for source material makes them look less like a faceless corporation run by a an evil um, mouse. Yeah. <laughs> an evil mouse yeah but yeah it's uh, true think, they're, they're on fire I think like uh, well I mean people talk ill of 2016 but last year I saw two different Star Wars movies at the cinema and that's amazing to think mm-hmm. so I mean you know the, uh, the future is only good for Star Wars if I continue to see two Star Wars movies a year different Star Wars movies a year and then that's you know if I live for another 127 years that's maths you know it's a lot of star wars movies that i'll get through you know so that's good yeah um should we talk about how they definitely did lots of reshoots to deliberately make fun of donald trump um including the scene at the very end where they all urinated on a photo of donald trump i thought that was really weird and it wasn't really i did think that was weird and also because they preempted that dossier coming out like how did they know yeah, was gonna come out. You That's know, really true. Also, um, unless Putin is really on board with Disney somehow. You know what? That's very true because I tweeted that <laughs> a long time ago about the pissing thing, and now I know that it's actually prophetic. Yeah, that's pretty good going for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is the third beard talking. <laughs> but can we laugh at the fact that people boycotted the movie because they thought that it <laughs> disrespected Donald Trump? Yeah, that's right. I don't I don't know if those numbers actually really mattered at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. Really insignificant. I don't know where it is like in the highest grossing movies of 2016, but it's got to be like 
up there, hasn't it? Basically. Well, no. right for 2016, it was the second right. highest grossing film. Jeez, in the space and of like that two is weeks? Exactly. Yeah. That's the scary part, that in the space of two weeks, the only thing that um, superseded it was Zootopia, which is another Disney property. So I think they had three or four movies in the in – the, no, it was three or four movies in the top ten, I think. Yeah, they would have had some yeah. more, definitely. Crazy. Um, so should we end with talking about what we would like to see? A little bit of fan fiction, if you will, with and, uh, all of the movies. Maybe some predictions. Yeah. Okay, I uh, I would really like to see a Boba Fett movie because he is another character who we all think of as a badass but is actually a fucking dick who does nothing and falls into the Sarlacc pit. I know he does, like, he is the guy who tracks Han Solo back to Cloud City and all, mm. but then he sort of, I don't know, maybe is a little bit too willing to serve Darth Vader and less... I don't know, I just... I wanted uh, For the money. Yeah, sure. I don't know, I wanted more badassery from him, and I don't feel like I got My it. My honest prediction? We're getting the Boba Fett movie next year. No way, you think? I think it is the Han Solo movie. Oh. oh. Because I don't think you can do a Boba Fett movie where Boba Fett is the main character for the same reason that Pirates of the Caribbean 4 was... A, a hot mess because Johnny Depp was the main character. It's like you can't take that awesome badass character and kind of just put them on the screen constantly. On top of that, like uh, there hasn't been a single Star Wars movie from like a, a dark side point of view, and or, or from like a ambivalent kind of point of view. And I don't know that they could make it work. I think you if you put Boba Fett on screen too much and you and you have him talking too much then it kind of takes a there's more opportunities for that to take away from how badass he is it's more interesting to me to see boba fett come onto the screen and you know like mess shit up um and be awesome and then like disappear again and having be this looming threat because let's not forget that boba fett when empire strikes back came out boba fett was supposed to be the new threat after darth vader yeah true right because uh, that that was supposed to be the main he was supposed to be the main villain of Return of the Jedi and then they changed that just before they started filming it with a rewrite. Who do you think would play Boba Fett? Because they're obviously not going to get the New Zealand guy Tamura Morrison back because he's like yeah. fifty seven years old now. I think it'd be cool if uh, yeah I think you could get somebody to do a similar voice. Without it being like an issue, um, and I just have him never take off his helmet because it's way more awesome if he never takes off his helmet. Like yeah, I don't want to have this guy like full judge. I don't want to humanize him. Yeah, uh, he, exactly. he could voice it himself. Then yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, uh, and the other possibility is that the Boba Fett that we saw maybe necessarily isn't necessarily the Boba Fett that is in Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. It could be somebody that killed him and took the mantle. Although uh, Clone Wars did do a lot of stuff with young Boba Fett. Um, that kind of indicates that he is the same character. Yeah, it showed him holding the severed head of his dad when he died. Oh, yeah, I mean the cartoon Clone Wars. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> of Attack of the Clones. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... He's such an awesome character. I really like... There's just a line he says in Attack of the Clones when he's being questioned by Obi-Wan, and he goes, 
I'm just a simple man trying to make my way in the universe. And mm-hmm. um, I think that gives a lot of context to Boba Fett himself because he's a bounty hunter. Like, he's just a guy who just, you know, he gets money from the one thing that he's good at, much like Han Solo does as a smuggler. Neither of them are particularly good guys. They just happen upon situations and try and take advantage of it for themselves. So, like, it would even make sense to me that Boba Fett is um, a Corellian, just like Han Solo. There's also the, um, well, yeah, because he, he is wearing uh, the armor is, um, oh, my God, Mandalorian. Um, but there's he himself isn't Mandalorian. So, I mean, there it would be interesting to kind of get that story. But I also like the idea that... Uh, there's always been this sort of idea that Boba Fett and Han Solo have beef that goes way back. It does seem that way. And so I think the Han Solo film is such an excellent opportunity. Like imagine in the Han Solo film, they're actually working together on something or they, and Han Solo double crosses him. Yeah. Which is well within his reach as a character. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, And then that's why Boba Fett is so, and then Han Solo is like, well, Boba Fett, because like he has the thing with Boba Fett, like he doesn't want to be around Boba Fett. I love in um, the Force Awakens when he's like, "I never made a deal with Kanja Club," and then the door opens and there's Kanja Club, and they're like, "Hey man, you fucked us over twice." And he's Good like, "Good to see you." Well, what was the other time? And the Scottish guy is like, "Han Solo, you're finished, yeah, cunt." <laughs> you're a dead man. You're a dead man. Yeah, we oh. deck, but yeah. <laughs> good movie um yeah. i think they could introduce a lot of other like bounty hunters in in if they did the boba fett thing and like have that whole backstory the um, uh the lizard dinosaur guy in the yellow <laughs> jacket yeah. Bosk. Yes. yeah and uh ig88 is another classic one we need the dengar film let's be real yeah we need like, a, we need a, like fucking... a toilet paper mummy we need yeah. a bounty hunter game that we were promised all those years yeah, ago. Yeah, I know, right? But, oh, man, everything about that game looked yeah. like the greatest game ever, and then, nope. <laughs> yeah. I'm honestly hoping for them to... Yeah, it's like it'd be cool to see Boba Fett. I think the probably the Han Solo film is hopefully where we're going to see it. Did you hear... Um... Uh, Woody Harrelson got cast in that yes, movie. Yes, I did. Yeah. And yeah, everybody he's was some out. sort of mentor, isn't he, or something to Han Solo? Like he's going to be like, he, like Woody sense. Harrelson. Like, is, it, like yeah, I mean, Han Solo is a cowboy, it, it, and Woody Harrelson is a cowboy. Like my initial reaction was that like Woody Harrelson's far too recognizable a face. Like I know that I'm going to be watching that, and if I see Woody Harrelson, I'm going to be like, fuck, this is Woody Harrelson. Like yeah. I, it takes me at the moment. But I will say something that I thought of afterwards uh, and that I've mentioned in passing to a few people is that there's no indication that he's going to be playing a human character. That's and a good so point. Yeah. You might not necessarily see Woody Harrelson's face. I don't see them putting like such an A-list actor in front of everybody. Uh, I mean, except for that they do have Amelia Clark in that movie as well. So I will say about Woody Harrelson that he is more than capable of being a guy in a scene who doesn't steal the scene. Um, I don't I don't think he'll hog the screen in that sense. Like, he's in lots of movies where he's not actually the main guy, and he's in the movie, but you don't remember only him from being in the movie. Well, but I'm not Do taking you... anything away from Woody Harrelson as an actor. I'm saying that, like, uh, even at the in Episode 7, when they go to attack uh, 
Starkiller base and a lot of the X-Wing pilots are actually like actors from other things that J.J. Abrams has done like there's like the also the big guy from um he was the cop in uh Heroes yeah is, yeah. is one of and he has lines and he speaks yeah. and as soon as I saw him I was like it's not that he does a bad job in the movie is that as soon as I saw him and I was like hey that's the guy from Heroes and like that yeah, takes me out it, and I think Joseph Gordon-Levitt is one of the pilots also and it's like there's the, the scientist from Lost as well. Like the, is it the yeah. Asian guy, the scientist from Lost? Yeah, I mean the Daniel Craig is a stormtrooper in the Force Awakens as well. Yeah, but you don't. But that wasn't as obvious. Like that was okay. It, I, it didn't I take mean, away the, from. To the, me, like it was as soon as I heard it, I was like, "That's fucking James Bond." Like, what is he doing as a stormtrooper? He was speaking with an American accent. What do you mean? What is he doing? He's removing those restraints and leaving the room with the door opened. Uh, he's not talking with an American accent, is he? Yeah, he, yeah, is. he is. He totally is. There's no way you could have spotted that that was James Bond in that moment. Yeah, I did. Really? Yeah. All right. Sonic ears. Yeah, because there's like they're not the first bit when he walks in the room, but when he says, I don't know, there's a line afterwards where he he says, um, "I will drop my." What does he say? She says, you "And will I'll drop, drop my weapon." Yeah, and then he says the same thing. That's like it's very James Bond. Well, to me anyway. Like I mean, maybe just I watched Spectre right before seeing Force Awakens or something. But um, but I think it was the face more than anything that uh, you know, like those actors when they did their cameos, it was like, well, I mean, why are they why? I don't, I don't know. I just worry. I, I, I think Woody Harrelson's a phenomenal actor, and I think like he has a lot of range, and he can definitely pull it off. I'm just worried that I'm gonna see him and just be like, hey, it's Woody Harrelson. Ah, oh, shit. I mean, and I like, don't think they, they kind of do that in a lot of Marvel movies at the moment, anyway. Like uh, the, the Thor movies as well. Is like, um, obviously Anthony Hopkins is a, a much bigger name than um, Hemsworth. Like, yeah, him from Home and Away. Um, but I was never like, oh, it's Anthony Hopkins, like, they just, they, they, I kind of, you, like, they flesh out the movie with, like, giant stars, and then the the, the lead is always, like, less well-known, right. like, they did it but in But Star Wars Steel. traditionally has always been, like, a, a, a series of movies that has relied heavily on unknown names and, like, smaller actors. But did Christopher Lee take you out of, I know your rebuttal to this is gonna be, no, the shitty writing and shitty movie took me out of it, but, like, did Christopher <laughs> Honestly, Lee... a little bit, yeah, I, I didn't realize, like, why did Christopher Lee need to be in a Star Wars movie? Because he was Sauron and Dracula. It did honestly Dracula. take me out a little bit. And I I love Christopher Lee. But, like, I love Christopher Lee and I've seen him in a million things and then he appeared in Star Wars and it was like, well, it's Christopher Lee with a banana lightsaber. I was watching The Force Awakens and I was like, Jesus, Harrison Ford is in this? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I, I, I don't really think it'll be, I don't, well, I mean, I can't really fully, um, get on board with your, like, I do get you and Star Wars has always been a thing of, like, unknown actors or, like, I, I don't know, like, I didn't feel the same about Natalie Portman and I was a huge fan of Natalie Portman at the time because Leon mm. was one of my favorite movies. I think right. the Phantom Menace obviously cast a lot of quite famous people, didn't it? I yeah, mean, quite quite, I mean Liam Neeson is who she's famous. Well, yeah, that's the thing is like I never see Liam Neeson in in uh, maybe it just has to do with the writing. I don't know, uh, but like sometimes it, I feel like it can be jarring, and I j I just hope I because I I really like Woody Harrelson. I really hope that they do work him in in a way where it's not distracting. I'm just and really, they probably will. I'm really glad that Miles Teller isn't playing Han Solo because I wouldn't go and see the movie if he was. Mm. Like, not only is he just a really 
unlikable person, but he's in every fucking movie right now, and he's like 41 years old, and he plays a kid in every movie, <laughs> and it's just, it's so distracting, and if he was Han Solo, I think it would have been terrible. There, mm-hmm. I said it. And and also, another thing, Hollywood, make a fucking movie where John Cusack plays Miles Teller's dad, because it is the most obvious thing ever. Just <laughs> make that movie. They are literally the exact same looking person. So It is true. Yeah. Lewis Moore, do you have any anything that you're predicting or hoping for in the new movies? I just hope that they're good. I mean, I, I think, like, at the moment we've got, like, kind of, I mean, how many Star Wars movies? Eight movies? Uh, over half are good. I mean, if that if that trend keeps going up, I'll be happy. Like, I'm not. I mean, to be honest, they could make a Star Wars movie about as long as it feels Star Wars to movie feels like a Star Wars movie to me. <laughs> that came out as just got like, one whole word there. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't bother me really. Like, they can make any. Like, they can make a nice movie about like the guard who stands at the top of the thing and waves them into like Yavin Four. You know, the one with the, like the little gun thing that like I don't really know what he does. I hope he gets paid well. He's just making sure that they're coming in at the right speed. I, mean, I hope he, he gets paid well. <laughs> I mean, he's up there for like a whole day. I mean, maybe they maybe they have shift work and like he has a four hour stint or something. But um, I don't see an obvious way for him to get up there either. No, I mean neither. Like, how does he get up there? He uses the um, force. That's not how the force. That's works. not how the force works. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, they could make a movie about him, and I'd be like, if it if it feels like Star Wars, I'll go see it. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, like it would be great if they did a Blue Coon movie, and he had an orange lightsaber, and it was fucking awesome, and he was just like demolishing stormtroopers. Like that would be great. Wait but, a minute, um, Kyle Katarn has an orange lightsaber. Who? Kyle Katarn was origin in the old, I guess it's the Legends now, was the guy who stole the Death Star plans originally, mm-hmm. according to like the the old canon. Until Disney uh, came along and blew that out of the water. That's fine. Yeah, no, no, Blue Coon does have an orange lightsaber. I remember playing Jedi Power Battles. It's orange or yellow. Yeah, something like that, wasn't I don't it? Remember. All I know is Dark Forces 1 and 2 were so, so, so good. And, oh, even Jedi Knight and Jedi Knight Jedi Academy were really good, also. Yeah, I I, I really liked the uh, the Force Unleashed as well. The yeah. first one, was the fir- yeah, yeah, the first one, yeah, it was really good. Yeah, yeah, we need another good Star Wars game. Like the uh, Battle Battlefront was okay, just um... well, there was um one of the writers from Uncharted uh, left Naughty Dog and is working with EA on a Star Wars game, third person action adventure Star Wars game. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> it's that one that they teased during E3 where it was just like a person stepping out of a room and there was they were on like some sort of desert planet and there was a star uh, like a, a star destroyer in in the sky and there was like imperial banners everywhere. The thing I hate about E3 is that it shows you something you're really hyped for and then it says like coming 2042. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I did I did kind of want to get into predictions a little bit about certain things. Oh yeah, I um, wanted to say one more thing. Um, I think the bad guy from episode 4 A New Hope is in some way related to the good guy in episode 4 A New Hope. I think we're going to see something there. Some, what? Some, some backstory 
where no yeah, way yeah I think I think there's something I th- I think there's a reason why all the stormtroopers were terrible with their aim whenever they fired at him like did you notice that it was like they didn't even <laughs> want to kill him I I just think that something is going on there there's a reason why Vader wanted to protect that young farm boy so. Um, and also, did you notice when he was in the TIE fighter behind him trying to kill him, he said the Force is strong with this one. So, yeah, I think I think we're going to learn something about that in the next movie. So. I mean, related? No, no, not, you don't mean... Re- no, I don't think they would be at uh, any point related, because Star Wars wouldn't do that kind of thing, because these movies... Star Wars are based... isn't about family. <laughs> Star Wars isn't about family. Star Wars no. is notoriously family-less. yeah. Yeah, there's there's no related characters at all, (laughs) which actually brings me to kind of something that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time. I've been excited to do this episode to talk to you guys about it. Namely, who do you think Ray's parents are? Or no, a better question is, who do you want them to be? I guess maybe because I mean, I've always kind of wanted them to not either not be Luke. I don't want it to be Luke, really. Because it's just too obvious. It's too ob. It's too obvious. Like maybe, maybe like old Ben. Like he wasn't that old, you know, and he got about. Maybe it's old Ben. You know, he he. Maybe he was a hermit, but occasionally, like he, got he his went out. On. On. <laughs> He's got yeah. He listened to some R. Kelly, and um... <laughs> and pissed in a woman's face. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, maybe not R. Kelly. Maybe that's um. I. It seems like the only person it could be is Luke. Yeah, I think that's what they're hitting at, but I kind of don't want it to be that. But uh, No, I'm not going to have a massive problem with it. I just I don't want it to be that obvious. I, but, I would like, like for it to be Luke because one of the things that really annoyed me in The Force Awakens, not in, not in The Force Awakens, but in people's perception of The Force Awakens is that they were really mad that the woman became a, quote, Mary Sue, unquote, and that she got powerful too quickly um if she was luke's daughter it would go that anakin as a kid in the phantom menace was too old for jedi training and he became the most powerful jedi and he had a kid who was fucking way too old for jedi training and he became the most powerful jedi and the movie the force awakens is called the force awakens not the force gets taught to you over a period of five years until you're a jedi so it would make sense to me that she becomes that powerful that quickly and it would also trounce all of the alt-right guys who have a huge problem with the fact that she picks up the force mm. really quickly in a movie called the force awakens awakens people it awakens within her come on i man. mean that just explain the hug like the really nice hug that like um princess leia gives to ray yeah and like it always kind of annoys me that like uh han's best friend like chewy like devastated from the loss of his best friend completely walks off the the ship at the end and JJ Abrams actually said like that was a mistake that he made. Yeah, like like Leia just ignores him like he'll get over he's fine. Yeah, yeah. but it, I think it's a point though and the the fact that they're like all right, we know where Luke is and Leia is literally related to him and has been trying to track him down for Ray. Nah, get Ray to do it. It has to be Ray. I like the signs yeah. point to it being Luke even though I think yeah. you're right Luke more. It is too obvious. But um I, it, it would be sold to me for the reasons I just mentioned. So. See, I <laughs> don't think it's Luke. Who do you think it is? I don't think it's Luke. Uh, there's a few reasons why I don't think it's Luke. Firstly, because it is too obvious, and I don't feel like uh, it would be very Star Wars. You also think old Ben got his free con? <clears throat> uh, 
I think a younger Ben got his freak on. Sweet. She seems so, too young, though. No, no, no. Hang on. Oh, <laughs> I, I see here. what's happening here. So, um, I think that uh, Luke... It, it, first of all, it's too obvious, and uh, I do think that he might have had contact with her before. But there, there's some weird stuff happening with Luke. Uh, I actually think that she's most likely a Kenobi. And I don't think that she's Obi-Wan's daughter. I think that she's probably Obi-Wan's granddaughter. Um, there's been a Kenobi in every single Star Wars movie, except for Rogue One. And even in Rogue Rogue One, he was mentioned, even if it wasn't by name. Kenobi is a is a household name, and it's part of what Star Wars is. Apart from that, um, Kenobi's and Skywalkers go together always. It seems like they're they're kind of bound to find each other um, because it keeps happening throughout the the series. And one of the things is there's been a lot of work done between uh, comparing Rey's fight with Kylo Ren at the end of Force Awakens. And Obi-Wan's fight with Anakin uh, at the end of Return of the Sith. Or was it Return of the Sith? Revenge of the Sith. Whatever. Episode 3. The one where Uh, he slaughters all the young ones. Exactly. Exactly. That's the one. Uh, And actually a lot of the choreography matches. To a point where it's kind of scary. There's also um, the scene where she pulls uh anakin's lightsaber from the snow and you think it's going to go to kylo ren but it goes to her yeah the same song plays as when in episode one obi-wan is hanging on the inside of that pit that for some reason has no guardrails (laughs) as per star wars industrial design um and he pulls uh i forget whether it's his lightsaber or if it's qui-gon's lightsaber it's qui-gon's and he pulls it uh and he uh, like this song plays in the background, and he kills um, Darth Maul, he or makes we think jelly that. out of that fucking tooth-headed motherfucker. Except Darth Maul doesn't. <laughs> uh, yeah, so there's like a lot of um, things like that, but there's also a lot of indications that uh, Ray's parents uh, might be revealed somewhere else. Um, and some of the kind of theories that are going around now is that at least one of her parents is currently in Star Wars Rebels, uh, whether that's like the, the young force sensitive character, Ezra, uh, or that's Sabine, who's like a, a young, um, Mandalorian. The thinking is that it's Sabine because in Clone Wars, it was revealed that Obi-Wan had a love affair with the leader of the Mandalorians, whose name was Satine, which is like a one letter difference. Um, and that he was willing to he admits to Anakin that he would have left the Jedi Order for her. Wow, that's significant. Yeah. So there's indication. And on top of that, like the Jedi Order at the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith is decimated. And there's no real point. Also, um, Obi-Wan, everyone's asking for an Obi-Wan movie. It's one of, like, the, the top requests in terms of, like, the the, lead, the sort of uh, ancillary stories. Uh, and Disney is weirdly not doing it, or it appears that Disney is not doing it. 
Uh, and the interesting thing about it, that is that Ewan McGregor himself has actively said that he wants to do it and he wants to be in the movie. And so some of the thinking is that because there's rumors that Obi-Wan will actually appear in episode eight and episode nine, there's rumors that they're holding off on doing an Obi-Wan story because something would be revealed in the Obi-Wan story that would ruin the kind of raised parentage. Isn't there the... What's the scene uh, where she has flashbacks? Doesn't she hear, like, Ewan McGregor's voice? Or is it Ewan McGregor and or Alex? Both Alex and Alex's voice. Yeah, so now that's, that's like, ruined a little bit because she hears uh, Yoda's voice as well, and why would she hear Yoda's voice? Um, but well, notice she doesn't hear Luke's voice and she doesn't hear Anakin's voice. It's weird and the way she, are... she hears Ben Affleck's voice saying, Martha, what's that about? <laughs> <laughs> Martha. Martha. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, there seems to be a lot of indications that they know each other. And, like, it goes back to that idea that, like, um, Kenobis and Skywalkers always find each other. Yeah, that's a great um, tread right there. Like, that's, I mean, I've always known it, obviously, but never considered it in that light. Like, that's that it's a, a destined thing. And, obviously, destiny is actually a part of Star Wars, too. Like, it is your destiny and the <clears throat> prophecy. One of the, one of the kind of theories that I was looking at was talking about Ray's vision and how it seems that nobody in the visions can see her except for Kylo Ren. Uh, and so when Ben Solo is um, part of the vision, he kind of turns and looks at her and he starts walking towards her and you get the sense that he's kind of aware of her in the vision. And there's kind of theories that we're going to find out that um, Kylo Ren is going to have those visions in the next movie but from the reverse perspective huh and that they're actually seeing each other but in different points in time um or the other theory is that he's already had that vision because he does seem to know something about there being a girl uh when the guy comes up to him the imperial officer and he says or i guess the first order officer and he says that the droid uh left but it had help uh and he says like there was a girl and kylo ren turns around and pulls the guy towards him to choke him and he says what girl yeah he and does. then yeah. in the novelization there's a lot of hints that he is aware of who she is because um when they're fighting uh he says something in the movie that is echoed in the novelization that says something like um it is you when she grabs the lightsaber and in the novelization there's like an internal monologue for ray that says uh not for the first time she had the unsettling sense that he knew more about her than she did. So do we think then that Luke knows about her and what's why he gives her the weird look he gives her at the end when she like, ha like she goes to give him the lightsaber and he gives her like a, he's like the, he's like, what, what are you doing that for? Like, so, uh, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the indication, or at least the way that I feel is that she was probably part of Luke's Jedi Academy and he, she was the only one that he could save. And but so he probably so, he, so he he took her away. And by saving her, you mean like everyone else was slaughtered by Kylo Ren because he knew that Kylo Ren exactly. would be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so leaving her on the planet, but also isn't it coincidental that uh, she's a loner on a planet, um, in a desert planet, who spends all of her time by herself, living in like a, a, a like this little shack that she pulls a lightsaber. Uh, Anakin's original lightsaber out of a chest the same way that Obi-Wan pulls Anakin's lightsaber out of a chest to give to Luke in episode four. Um, and then there's also the idea that um, 
she is uh, she's being watched by someone. Uh, and the, it's weird that Laura Santeca has a map to Luke Skywalker and he's on the same planet as her and he's actually a member of the Church of the Force. Yeah, that's true. So but, there there are a lot of hints. And also, J.J. Abrams, and now J.J. Abrams has been known to lie about uh, what's in his movies. <laughs> um, but he said during an interview that Ray's parents aren't in Episode 7. Hmm. Which would mean that it wasn't Luke and it wasn't uh, um, Han or Leia. Maybe it's um, maybe it's Jabba. Oh yeah, <laughs> we can't Ooh. rule out the possibility. I mean, Carrie Fisher was wearing that like you know gold oh, bikini God. and things. Really? You know, I mean, it, Jabba's only like he's he's a man. Like he can't. But if yeah. if she had if she had training before at Luke's uh, new academy, um, it's possible that he somehow used the force to kind of block her memory of what happened. Yeah, I think uh, that's definitely implied. Like, the memory. she's had prior training. There's no way. Also, yeah. uh, Obi Wan's signature move is the Jedi mind trick. He has like a, a high yeah. aptitude for it. And the first thing that she realizes that she can do with the Force is the Jedi mind trick. Like the first yeah. thing that she tries to do independently. Yeah, and again, to go back to, it's the Force awakens people. Exactly. And like the the that big um, fucking that big motherfucker Snoke is like there has been an awakening and i think that that's really there has significant been an awakening. yeah sorry but it's that was pretty good it yeah. was really good actually <laughs> usually <laughs> Lucemore's impressions are terrible as you can tell wait a second all of my intro wait a second wait a second <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that's i think that's really that's something that i hadn't obviously i i don't really have that much knowledge of the uh, extended universe um, but that sounds completely plausible and like there's a lot of links also to um, the Rebels character that I was talking about uh, Ezra um, because he collects helmets uh, and there's and at the beginning <laughs> that sounds stupid he collects Imperial helmets and um, Rebel helmets also uh, and in the beginning of The Force Awakens when we first meet Rey uh, she goes back to her base and she has an old rebel helmet from the Battle of Jakku. Yeah, she does. And she puts it on her head. So they, there's, and also there's rumors that that's who Benicio del Toro is going to be playing. He's going to be playing an older Ezra. So there's sorts of kind of indications that Ezra and uh, Darth Maul are actually going to leave together in the show, and then they're gonna not. That's why they're not in the original run is because they're off kind of doing their own thing. Man, do you do you think it's like I mean obviously I can't speak for L but like I don't really have anything to do with the extended extended Star Wars universe but do you think it's like necessary now going forward that people get on board with the extended universe like I don't know if it's necessary it just kind of provides extra content like the the thing with Saw Gerrera is that like he you like some of the scenes had a lot more meaning because like I I had seen what it was so like the the scene with the um uh the guerrilla warfare that I was talking about, yeah. like that made a lot more sense. Um, I, I think it's like a cool way of introducing other things, but I don't think they're going to make it kind of necessary. That being said, rebels is actually pretty awesome 
it it got awesome a lot faster than Clone Wars did. Um, and the stuff that they're doing with Darth Maul in particular is, for, it's like some of the best. Uh, like it's actually better than some Star Wars stuff. It's definitely better than any of the prequels for my taste, anyway. Uh, and it does feel very Star Wars, especially because there's a in Rogue One there's a lot of um, Easter eggs of uh, Rebels. So their ship, the Ghost, is actually uh, at the base on Yavin. Um, they call uh, Admiral Sindula, which in the show right now is, I believe. General Sindula, which is uh, the pilot of the Ghost, um, and the droid from their ship is there also. But that ship is at the Battle of Scarif, so there's indication that that's how all of those characters die. Um, is that they're in that last battle and uh, they get decimated by the Empire over Scarif? I think as well so, we, we do know that Disney are all in on the extended universe stuff anyway. Like they. Obviously, yeah. they have mapped the Marvel Cinematic Universe quite, um, like, rigidly and, you know, uh, proficiently. And I think that that sort of thing is so easy to stretch onto the Star Wars universe where there's already a really rich back catalog of... There's also, like, a bigger opportunity there because with Marvel, the comics uh, don't tie into what's happening on the screen. Yeah. But with Star Wars, they have the opportunity to take fans of the of the films and transfer that fandom onto the comics. Because if the comics have to do with what's happening on the film, then it's actually more of the same as opposed to being like similar. But like the characters, it's actually like a different comics are diff- are complicated like that, especially like Marvel and DC comics, where there's like multiple universes and like certain things are real and canon and some of them aren't canon. Or it's all canon, but they're all canon for different universes. Whereas like with Star Wars, like the what they're doing with the with the comics and with like the TV shows and all of that is that like if it's canon it's canon and those things do have the opportunity to tie into the films and you can get extra information that's going to be relevant in the films from those right yeah yeah. Uh, so i think it's like a really good opportunity to to sell more shit really (laughs) (laughs) disney continuing george lucas's grand tradition (laughs) well i mean like you can't pretend that Disney's intentions with Star Wars are completely altruistic. Certainly, like, the people making the films, yeah, but, like, as a corporation, they bought it because they knew it was going to make money and that they could make money with the merchandise from it. And we're so glad that they did because in order to do oh God, that, yeah. they have to put out a great product, and that's what they've been doing, so... Um, yeah. I'm so. This is such a great time to be alive. This was the whole, like, point of the 2016 episode that we did, was that, like... Look, I mean, look. If you don't like music or movies, I'm sure your life is terrible. But for for nerds like us, this is just incredible. Like we're gonna see another star, a new Star Wars movie in about twelve months. Mm-hmm. This is, oh less, my god! With Luke Skywalker, months. less than twelve months. Yeah. Yeah, eleven months probably. Eleven months and probably like four days. This one is yep. gonna be out. Oh my god! What a time to be. I'm alive. so excited. Yeah. Same. I feel bad for people who don't have that nerd room in their heart. <laughs> um, should we end it here? I think we should just say Star Wars is good. I've heard that. Mm. I mean, I've never seen any of them. <laughs> yeah, we've just spent the last three hours and late talking about it, but no, I've never seen any of them. <laughs> Those movies are for nerds, man. Yeah, fucking nerds. 
Yeah, wow. Um, thanks a lot for coming on the show, both of you. Woo. It's all right, yeah. Here is to many more podcasts. This is podcasting. <laughs> that was really fun. That was an awesome episode. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. It turns out it was the Jedi Council all along. I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. If you did, please leave a like or a comment or a repost or a rating or, you know, some form of feedback so I know that you are out there. (laughs) iTunes doesn't actually give any analytics at all, so it's really hard to know how many people are even listening to each episode. But um, if you guys did like it, like, please do let me know because this was the type of episode I have wanted to make many many times I wanted to do an episode like this about Stranger Things the TV show I wanted to do one about Black Mirror Um, I've wanted to make sort of spoiler episodes about TV shows and movies that I've watched because the Midnight Hour itself has always been a movie podcast disguised as a real world podcast and I've just wanted to like really expand on that and you know start analyzing movies and TV shows and stuff like that a little bit more deeply I guess um or just to talk about things that I like on a, you know, on a level where you have to have seen the thing. But it's good because that way, like I'm sure you guys who watch this or listen to this episode who have seen all the Star Wars movies probably connected on a really strong level with this episode in comparison to the other ones. So um, if you'd like to see more things like this, please let me know because it's something I'd like to do, but I can only do it based on you know the demand and stuff like that anyway if you want to discuss the episode if you want to ask a question for a future q a episode or if you would even like to appear on a future episode go to reddit.com slash or slash midnight hour it will be linked in the description um if you need to click the link to get there and uh yeah have a look at the treads you know uh leave a post in whatever one is relevant to you and then hopefully it will make it into an episode or you will make it into an episode or whatever so that is the end of this uh really hope you guys enjoyed it obviously we're ending with the star wars theme music i think it was relevant because we talked about star wars (laughs) anyway right this was amazing go check out weird with you as well um i think they do such a great podcast like i actually sit in work every like wednesday and listen to their listen to every single episode that they put out so um yeah go check them out uh and thanks to uh santiago and loose Moore, who are always amazing guests so yeah i've been aldo nero and may the force be with you i guess